It's the Mixed Martial Arts Hour with The Mixed Martial Arts Hour back in your life on this Monday, May 6, 2013. And how do you like us now? Look at this, my friends. Finally, finally we have come home. This show has been going on for almost four years. Four years next month. And we have been like nomads going throughout the desert like my people. 40 days and 40 nights. Finally, we have reached the promised land. According to my calculations, this is our eighth set in our history. We started in uh, June of 2009. It's currently May of 2013. Eight sets along the way, but we have reached the promised land, my friends. Look at this. Canadian wood from the great province of uh, British Columbia. Um, round five figurines all over the place. Beautiful TV here. We've got tchotchkes all over the place. We've got great photos from my good friend Esther Lynn, all elbows. This amazing drawing from Kyle Haas, Hollywood Haas. A table filled with goodies. The happy war. I mean, it's just unbelievable. I, 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 I walked in here today, and the first thing that came to mind was... I'm coming home, I'm coming home, tell the world I'm coming home, but I'm not just coming home, I have arrived home. It's unbelievable. That's, that's the only word that comes to mind. I'm so happy to be here, and my friends, we've got a pep in our step today. Because of this new era, because of this new set, we are bringing you the goods. We've got a fully loaded show, and you're going to be a part of it in the third hour, because in the third hour, we will reveal the 16 participants in the first ever Rick's Picks Invitational you have tweeted me. It was an overwhelming response. We have picked the 16, and in the third hour, we'll announce the 16, we'll announce the rules, and next week, we'll announce the brackets. It's going to be great. I'm very excited about it. It all kicks off with UFC on FX8, May 16th, over in Brazil. Is it May 16th? May 5th, 12th, May 4th, 11th, May 18th. May 18th in Brazil. I knew something was wrong there. We'll also take your questions and comments. Hit us up using the hashtag TheMMAHour. Now, as far as the guests go, we've got some great guests. Uh, Chris Camozzi joins us at 2.40. He will now be facing Ronaldo Jacare Souza, or should I say, Ronaldo Jacare Souza, at UFC on FX8. You heard late last week, Costa Filippo injured. In comes in Camozzi, who's supposed to fight uh, Rafael Sapo Natal. We'll talk to Chris about fighting in his first UFC co-main event. Vitor Belfort, who fights in the main event of that card against Luke Rockhold. He'll be joining us at 220. Always great to talk to the Phenom. Eddie Alvarez has been making headlines for the last few, uh, few days. He is involved in that legal battle with Bellator. Will he stay? Will he go? We'll get the latest from Easy Eddie Alvarez. Brian Bowles, we haven't heard, or at least I haven't heard from Brian Bowles since his loss to Uriah Faber at UFC 139. And it seems like... Every week, someone asks me, where's Brian Broles? Where, where, where is this guy? Former WC bantamweight champion. We finally tracked him down. He's going to be joining us. He's fighting later on this summer. Uh, Julie Kedzie, one of the true pioneers of women's MMA. She'll be stopping by. She makes her UFC debut on July 27th. We look forward to talking to her very much. And I will remind you that, of course, in the back, New York Rick joins us. He will be a part of the Rick's Picks Invitational. 
We've got Mike back there. We've got Buskill Brendan, who did a fantastic job steering this ship, making this happen. We, we, we tip our cap to Buzzkill and the team here at SB Nation. And, of course, we've got Mike in the house as well. Okay, we, we've done enough talking. Let's get right to it. Our first guest of the day, he is the founder of Metamorris Pro Invitational Jiu-Jitsu Tournament. It's not so much a tournament. It's more of a promotion, so to speak. And they have their second event going down June 9th at the famed Poly Pavilion in Los Angeles on the campus of UCLA. There he is, the man, the myth, the legend himself, Halleck Gracie joins us right now. Halleck, how are you, my friend? Oh, I'm good. Thanks, Serio. Thank you, man. Um, that was a nice introduction. <laughs> okay, one second. I can't hear Halleck right now. Gentlemen? You can't hear me? Oh, now I hear you. Halleck, how are you? Oh, I'm great, man. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, I'm really good, and you know, thanks for that introduction. That was really nice. Uh, yeah, we're excited, man. June 9th. Oh, I'm excited about this, and you know why I'm excited? Because obviously we know boxing cards... MMA cards, even pro wrestling, they're kind of built the same way. You know, you have your main event, you have a card, you've got some interesting players scattered. But I feel like the the, the martial arts, if you will, the jujitsus, the wrestlings, those kind of martial arts, they haven't caught on. They haven't put events like this. And you guys are the first ones in the jujitsu world, in my opinion, that are doing this. You did it with your first show. You have a great card coming up on June 9th. Where did this idea come from to sort of take that model that we see in the other combat sports that do well and apply it to jujitsu? Yeah, great question. You know, I, I think, um, you know, my partner and I, Rob Zepps, uh, we were doing, he was actually a private student of mine for some time doing just jujitsu classes. And he's an absolute jujitsu fanatic. And we would just, you know, do classes and sit around and talk. And, you know, and, and essentially my thing and my approach was, and, and, you know, he agreed to it that there was nothing that really put jujitsu on a pedestal and really created an environment for these top competitors to really showcase their skills in a way where, people would really pay attention because if you go to mo most jiu-jitsu tournaments, you have six mats or eight mats and, you know, kind of like a wrestling meet, like a high school meet. And, um, can you still hear me fine? I have oh yeah. yeah. Guard no, no problem. We hear you just great. Um, so, you know, essentially it's, you know, um, in, in, in essence, it's very hard to kind of focus on one match. You know, when you have six mats happening at the same time. And for us, we thought, you know, the most respect that we can do for the art is to create, you know, a place where only the best come together and we have just one mat and we have the lights on that mat. And then we started just creatively just, you know, building everything outside of that to the point where we felt like it was in alignment with that black belt philosophy. You know, and I, I like to call it the black belt philosophy where the production is black belt, the stream is black belt, you know, the experience of the fighters is black belt, everything from, you know, their, the hotel that they're staying in to their experience and dealing with me. You know, I try to keep that integrity all the way through and you know, make sure that they're really feeling like taken care of and make sure that they really, you know, get the respect they deserve for being the, at the level that they're at, you know, because you can't just accidentally go in there and beat one of these guys. You know, you can't just go in there and get a, a, a knockout, you know, by accident. It doesn't work like that. You know, when you're going in there with a gi or even no gi, more so with the gi on, you know, you have to be very technical and you have to be very sharp and you have to mentally and emotionally be so in check and so in alignment with yourself that, you know, it's something that, you know, we, we really appreciate, you know, and it, I think it starts with myself and my partner and our level of appreciation for, you know, just that really high level of jujitsu. Will these matches be contested in gi or no gi? So it, we have, on this card, we have half and half. Okay. And, uh, you know, we can pretty much do anything we want at this point, and, you know, we 
you know, just depending on the, the, the competitors and just the organization as we move through the process and communicating with them, some of them prefer gi more, some of them prefer no gi for, for different reasons, depending on the opponent, depending on their training schedule. You know, some of them are training for MMA fights. You know, Ryan Hall was training for an MMA fight, so he had done mostly no gi. And, you know, we had tried to get him in a gi match with somebody else, but then we had somebody who stepped in and said, hey, I'll do no gi with Ryan Hall. Um, same with Brendan Schaub. He trains most of his time no gi because he's competing in the UFC, obviously. And, of course, his gi game is not as tight as his no gi. You know, with the no gi, you have more space, you have more freedom, and there's less options for somebody to catch you in a submission. And, you know, for him to come in and step in and, and do it, no gi even, is a huge thing, you know, because you're still out there with the only option of submitting somebody or getting submitted. So it's pretty cool. You know, I, I said... I think it's brilliant that you're taking this model of having a card and it's, you know, you lay it out and, and, and there, there are a bunch of interesting matchups. The second brilliant thing that I think you're doing is taking a couple of names from the MMA world to get guys like me who focus 100% on MMA. It's, it's hard enough to cover that sport. I know who Brendan Schaub is. I know who Shinya Aoki is. I know who Ryan Hall is because he's making his way in the MMA world. So you get my attention by sprinkling those guys in there and then putting in some other great jiu-jitsu players. Is that part of the process? Do you need to do that to get our attention in your opinion you know yeah to be completely honest yes and you know of course the answer also is that we, Brendan Schaub really wanted to do this he asked me and I was like hey man you know are you sure this is pure jiu-jitsu and he's like no man this is a wonderful test for me for my schedule it'll work perfect for my next fight you know it'll be a great way for me to stay sharp and, and to test myself mentally and you know for my jiu-jitsu and he's so passionate about jiu-jitsu and, you know, I think it's really cool, man. And I made a statement on our Facebook to the effect that, you know, a lot of, a lot of UFC guys, every, pretty much everybody's claiming to be a black belt, as far as I can see. Mm. And, you know, there's really no way for us to know if you just go in there and throw some punches and get a knockout, how do we really know the legitimacy of somebody's black belt unless they put it out there, unless, you know, in the most top, you know, tier uh, of jiu-jitsu. And I think, you know, I think it's honorable for him to step in and do that. And for any, you know, Shin Aoki as well, you know, he's somebody who has a black belt in jiu-jitsu and in judo, and he's putting it to the test. You know, he's not afraid. He said, man, I'll go with anybody in my weight class, and we put him with Crone, and Crone's not, you know, nobody can sleep on Crone. You know, mm -hmm. he's just, so it's, it's, it's really cool to see these guys really willing to put it up there, and above all, they're just warriors. You know, they're really, they're serious warriors, and, you know, I can really identify with that, being a competitor myself, being an MMA fighter, but also being a jiu-jitsu practitioner and lifelong, you know, jiu-jitsu student. It's really cool to see the two kind of merging in a way where, yeah, man, you don't have to worry about getting punched, but at the same time, it still is a fight. You know, you're still going to have to go out there and impose yourself on somebody else, not give any space or any show any weakness and, you know, take the most that you can. And, you know, it's something of a battle that, you know, to me is, is very, in a lot of ways, is very sophisticated. You know, it's very elegant to see these guys go out there and do this because they can't go all the way and just hit each other. They have to kind of have a, a certain disdain and still try to maneuver their bodies in a way where, you know, it's a chess game. And it's something that, you know, is, is very, it's very exciting when you really look at it and you really approach it in, in a way where you can really appreciate that level of it. It's cool. Are the competitors being paid? And if so, what kind of purses are we talking here? <laughs> man, these guys are being paid too much, man. <laughs> if you ask me, yeah, these guys are getting paid, man. And, you know, we're... I mean, it really depends. It depends on, of course, what they bring. It depends on, and man, I don't really know how I feel about releasing information, but I, as far as an individual fighter's purse, you know, but I, I feel like, um, you know, as a whole, 
we're getting up in the couple of hundred thousand or if not, uh, you know, 150, uh, you know, around that 150 to $200,000 wow. in paying these guys. So, you know, and that was a big thing for me, you know, and my partner, you know, being funding this thing, you know, I had said to him like, Hey, we really, I really want to take care of these guys. I really want them to feel like. Do we lose them? Just when we were talking moolah. I think we may have lost Halleck. All right, we'll call Halleck back. Very interesting little nugget he dropped there in the $150,000 range for, for a jiu-jitsu. Oh, is he there, Halleck? Yes, yes. Oh, sorry about that. You're back. You're back. All right, here we go. Um, so Did we lose your video, though? Do we have it? Oh, no, okay. it's no, 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 you're there. You're there. Okay. So you were saying that it was very important to, to compensate these guys fairly and treat them fairly. Oh, yeah. And it's a little bit of a risk for us because, we, you know, the, the jiu-jitsu industry is very hard to gauge at this point. You know, there's a lot of interest and the jiu-jitsu jiu industry is growing very fast. And, you know, we know there's a lot of growth there, but nobody has really measured it, you know. And we're kind of at the, at the, at the point where we're pushing it to, you know, to really test that limit. And, you know, at the same time, I'm trying to make sure that we're really pushing the way that we pay these people and the way that we, you know, approach their their, you know, their purses and, you know, even setting up exclusive deals from now on moving forward. Uh, we have a lot of competitors that we're talking to about making exclusive deals because we feel like nobody's going to take care of them the way that we can. And uh, we can really build a synergy around marketing them and branding them along with the other top guys in the industry to really bring something that people can follow. And, and the story can be built in a way that people can follow and we can continue to move forward making awesome shows for the jiu-jitsu industry and, and inspiring people to train more jiu-jitsu and be aware of the gentle art on that level, you know, and, and see kind of a, a really top level that they can strive to beyond just being in a, in a high school gym with six mats, you know? How many events do you want to put on a year? Man, at this point, we're planning four for okay. 2014. Four in 2014 so four. or four between now and 2014? No, so for a year, we're okay. going to do one more after June 9th. We're okay. looking at one more, and we're, we're thinking about New York City, but we're really? not sure yet. That would be yeah. – what kind of venue are we talking about in New York? Man, it's tough. You know, there's not a lot, and, and this, the, the smaller venues, we're just, like, kind of looking into um, – you know, the smaller venues are cool, but we're a little bit concerned about, you know, not really having that environment of a bigger experience, you know, and most of the bigger venues are outside, as you might know, are outside or in New Jersey mm. and uh, Madison Square Garden is being used right now. It's being renovated or, or yeah, it's being renovated. So it, it's not available for the next, you know, couple months or six months, I believe. Um, but we're, you know, we want to do something where, you know, as of right now, what we do is we get a venue like uh, the Poly Pavilion at UCLA for our next event and we split the venue in half and we build kind of like a theater, but we, we have the mat more in the center of that theater and so it really creates this bowl around the mat, and you have three sides essentially, but the fourth side is, is some VIP seating on the floor. Um, but ultimately, it's a very tight feeling. It's very intimate, and you know, it's a, it's a 12,000 or 13,000 uh, capacity building, but we cut it down to 6,000 for the event, cut it in half, and um, you know, make it something that you know, I think around 6,000 is where we're at right now. Um, with just, you know, where we're at and, you know, what we strive to be. But, you know, in, in New York, we're looking at 2,000, 3,000 venue max, you know, in New York City um, in these different kind of, you know, halls that they have available there. 
but we're not really sure, so I don't want to say a name of a venue That's fair. at this point. Can you run down the rules for us? Because I believe they've changed since your first event, right? Yeah, yeah. So in our first event, what we had was uh, we had essentially no, we had 20 minutes, and we had no point system whatsoever. And we had, if you didn't catch somebody in a submission, if, you, if no submission occurred within a match, both competitors would be uh, considered, a, it would be considered a draw. And um, the reason for that was so that people just go for submission or they get a draw. And the draw for the competitor is a little bit of like a, you know, it's a little bit of a downer. You know, you didn't win, yeah. you didn't lose, but it's kind of like, okay, here we are, we, we're in a draw. And so it was great. The problem is, as far as building a, you know, a future for Metamorris and the campaign, you know, it's, it's hard to just give a draw when clearly one guy is, is completely controlling technically a match, you know, and being able to kind of keep that control throughout the match or show that overall they're just dominating. And dominating not meaning just physical positions, you know, being on top of the fight, but really keeping the pace. And, and as you learn more about jiu-jitsu, you can watch a match. You know, any purple belt or above can watch a match and see how, you know, the sweeps and, you know, whatever the, the different techniques and the intricacies of how they're controlling that match and how close they get to submission attempts, all those things make a huge difference. Um, and we felt like it would be interesting to bring in three judges so that we can actually get more towards creating winners even when there's no submission. And um, the three-judge decision came up, and I thought it was really interesting, you know, because generally you would think that three-judge decision, it would be like a boxing match. Mm. But we don't want that. We don't want to create a system where it's 10-9 or 8-7, you know, for, for a certain amount of control or a certain amount of this to where it would be very difficult to ever achieve, achieve a draw. And, uh, you know, what we decided was that we would do something more esoteric. You know, we would say that these three judges would decide on a winner or a draw. And their decision would be based on, first of all, their own experience as masters in the, in the game, but also in just overlooking the match as a whole and judging it as a whole as well as in different parts and being able to analyze why one person was more superior in that match and on that night than another. And... You know, it's a little bit of a risky thing because it's never been done in jiu-jitsu or, you know, pretty much in any other sport that I can imagine. And, uh, you know, I feel like to honor the art, we don't want to put a point system. You know, we want to keep a certain openness to where you, you should be going for the submission. And if the, in the case that there is no submission, you shouldn't be worried about why you should get a judge decision or you shouldn't be competing for the sake of getting a judge decision. You should be doing your best for the sake of doing your best and trying to achieve a submission because that's what's ultimately going to give you a belt. When we bring in belts and we bring in a oh, championship wow. format that we want to create, we want to only award belts to champions who win by submission. That's it. If you, if you have the belt, you're not going to be able to lose the belt unless somebody submits you. Interesting. And so we want to really honor the submission because ultimately, you know, that's what's going to do it for you. And because we have 20-minute time limit, we have to have a system to where we can say, okay, this person was more superior than this person within this 20 minutes. You know, if we were going to do a no time limit setting on a different planet and we were all aliens, then it would be okay to, you know, to just have no points, no time, no nothing. But, you know, we can't do that. And it's, you know, it's a, it's a system and, and you know, the world works in, in systems, you know, and we want to respect that. And, you know, and, and moving forward, we have to, you know, make sure that we can, as a story, we can move forward. And if we have a championship, you know, event, 
we can't, you know, afford to have just, you know, fifty, you know, five draws in a night. Yeah. And now we can't. We don't know who to move forward in in a certain category or who who to put against who, you know, in a, in a respectful way. Um, so th- there's a lot of things, you know, there that you know we're considering. A couple more things before we let you go. Is this your way? What's interesting about this is, of course, your father, Horian Gracie, founder of the UFC, was involved. We've discussed him. He was on our show a few months back. Your brothers. Uh, Heron and Henner Gracie have done a great job of creating their own little thing. They're they're on Fuel TV. They have their great Gracie breakdown. They've really created the uh, a very nice niche for themselves in this world. Is this your way of doing your own thing? Because for a while there, you know, you had your fights, you didn't fight. You had your rap videos; those disappeared. And I want to ask you about that after this answer. But is this Halleck's way of creating his his own little thing in the jujitsu world and his legacy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, man. I think, you know, in, in the world of, of commerce, you know, people only really see the tip of the iceberg, you know, for for anything. You know, you people do a lot of hard work. And then at the end of the day, you see a video or you see, you know, you see somebody compete or you, you know, so for me, my yeah, my journey, it absolutely is is intertwined with jujitsu, you know, to the point where I can't even think about anything else. And you know, I think of the world in, its, in terms of jiu-jitsu. You know, I see somebody do something, and I think about, you know, principles of jiu-jitsu and how I would deal with that situation. So for me, you know, being able to do this with Metamoris is, is it feels like the most natural thing in the world to me. It feels like it's, you know, beyond just like, a, oh, this is my, you know, my passion or whatever. It's, it's a, a kind of a destiny, you know, and to be able to work with different competitors and, and know as a competitor myself from the inside how I would feel and how what I would want being in a competition or being in an event like Metamoris, that's how I'm building it from the inside out. And, um, you know, for me, man, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's absolutely my thing, you know, full on. And my partner is awesome. You know, he's funding the thing and he's fully interested in jujitsu. And Rob is a very brilliant guy and, and somebody who, you know, to bounce ideas off and build with has been an integral part in the business. And, you know, it's, it's really fun, man. It's really cool. And, yeah, you know, it's it's great. Two last quick things before we let you go. Like I said, you last fought in MMA in 2010. You were 3-0. and You defeated Kazushi Sakuraba. Are you going to fight again? And two, I tried to find your rap videos to play them on this show, and they're all gone. They've all been either deleted or they're now private. What happened to your rap career? <laughs> yeah, good question, man. So, um, you know, what I want to do is I, I, my, everybody's life, and I believe, and people in general work in cycles, you know. And I have my cycles in my life. And part of my cycle was to make those videos and to do my music in that way. Um, at this point, I'm working on a whole different type and a whole different approach to my music. So I felt like, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't have like a major push for my music. I released a, music, a couple music videos. And, you know, I want to move forward and create a new version of my music. And, uh, you know, I want people to have kind of a new experience, you know. So I feel like... Uh, my music videos were cool, but it's not like, you know, I'm, I'm not a professional, you know, rap star where I'm going to be touring the world right now where everything is about me making sure that, you know, I'm, I'm reachable in that, in that, you know, realm. For me, that was a pure artistic expression and an expression of, you know, different thoughts and feelings in my life in that format, in that, you know, within that realm. So it was great, man. But I'm, I'm still working on music and, you know, I produce a lot now more than anything, but... You know, I'm, I'm very inspired to write music in, in every way, but it's like I'm always constantly evolving, so I don't want to be limited by a certain, you know, previous concept or previous, so I'm already, like, 
you know, my music and my style and my, my approach to life is, is something that's constantly changing. And, you know, I, I think that's normal. And I think, you know, going with that and creating more music and different music and creating different things, you know, like I want to make movies and, you know, I'm already experimenting with um, our webisodes, Jiu-Jitsu Connect, where we create different, you know, uh, ways of connecting Jiu-Jitsu to different aspects of life. You know, we have one on rugby and we have one on, uh, we have one on drifting and we have one on, uh, what else do we have it on? On uh, fitness, strength and fitness. And we kind of focus on people and, and their connections and doing jujitsu and how that might help them. And so these are things that like, you know, I'm, I'm expressing myself constantly artistically, you know, with metamorphosis for me, it's a complete artistic expression. What about the fighting? Are you going to fight again? Again? Yeah. So fighting for me is another form of expression of art, you know, and jujitsu is an art and and I'm an artist, you know, at heart. And and for me going in there is this complete spiritual journey and experience. And is that a yes? Is that a yes? Yes. Will you fight again? Yes. You will fight fight again. All right. All right. Absolutely. What? Good. And I would like to do something really big, you know, like do one fight that's just like, why is he doing that? You know, why was <laughs> he fighting that person for? <laughs> Good. And I'd like to see you and your brothers compete in Metamorphosis too. It's it's time that we see that as well. Maybe brother versus brother. Who knows? Yeah, be nice. everybody would love to see that, right? <laughs> <laughs> that, would, that would be very fun. To me, Halik, you always be a G and a G. Don't ever forget that. That's how I feel about you. You're doing great stuff. Good luck to you. It's June 9th. It's Metamores Pro uh, Jiu-Jitsu Invitational. It's at the Poly Pavilion in Los Angeles, California. If you are not in that area at that time, you could go to metamores.com. You could order the pay-per-view for $19.95. The production is top-notch. It is a perfect stream as far as iPay-per-view goes. And uh, the tickets, if you want to go to them, are uh, on sale on Ticketmaster.com. Good luck to you. We'll talk to you before the event, after the event, all that good stuff. Happy to support it, even though it's not MMA. There's a huge connection there, of course. And uh, I wish you nothing but the best of luck, Halleck. Thanks, Ariel. Thanks, man. All right, there he is. Halleck Gracie joining us. Great to have him on the show. We wish him nothing but the best of luck with uh, Metamorphosis Pro number 2, June 9th in Los Angeles. Okay, let's move along now. One of the uh, true pioneers, as I said, of the women's MMA game is is up next. And I said earlier this year on UFC Tonight, actually it was the last show of the year of UFC Tonight, uh, 2012, I said the story of 2013 will be the rise of the women's division in the UFC and their explosion and how the fans will just fall in love with these fighters. And thus far, five months in, it looks like I'm I, I, I'm spot on. It looks like I nailed that one. Let's talk to Julie Ketsey about that. Julie, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. So did you ever foresee this? Because we've had three fights in the UFC thus far. Of course, the Ronda fight, Misha Tate, Katzengano, and then we just had Sarah McMahon. Every time they fight, the women fight, it, 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 the, the crowd is on their feet. They, they seem more engaged. The fights are fun. They're exciting. Um, we're seeing finishes. You're coming up very soon, July 27th. We'll talk about that. But did you see this coming? Did you see the fans falling in love with the women's division like they had in the UFC? You know, I actually, I think I'm one of the very few that did have a lot of faith that this would happen. Um, when you, fans fall in love with, I guess, sincere fighting and, and people who are absolutely completely committed to it. And so far, you know, thus far the women's fights, you just see these women who just go out there. They sincerely want to throw down. They want to rip each other's heads off. And that's, I think that's what fans connect to the most in fighting. And, you know, I, I, I think that there, there's a lot of honesty that's going on there. So you were kind of on the shelf, right? You, you've been battling some injuries. That's why you're fighting in July. What exactly have you been dealing with? Um, I tore my left labrum, and it was a, it was a pretty severe tear. It was during the, the Tate fight. 
I, I guess I based on it funny or something, and it just ripped all the way through. And so I had to have it repaired. I had like eight anchors put in my arm and all these strange things. So I was kind of on, on the shelf. I wasn't allowed to train for six months. And um, luckily, I guess the UFC had enough faith in me to, uh, to bring me on board anyway. And so I'll be fighting in July. How do you feel now? I feel great now. You know, it's, I have to train my body to train again. So it's hard, but I have, I have a lot of time to get into this and to get a full camp. So I'm actually very fortunate I got this much notice on the fight. And, of course, you're fighting Jermaine Derondami July 27th. That is a pretty significant card for, for you gals, I could say, because there are two women's fights on that card, and uh, that is the first time in UFC history. We're seeing a lot of firsts, and I like the fact that it's almost like, okay, now it's, it's no longer a celebration when there's a women's fight on the card. It's just you deserve to be there, and there you are, and it's often the most exciting fight on the card. I'm wondering, though, because of your injury, has it been tough to sit there and see some other people you know, get in in the octagon before you? Like, Have you been getting a little antsy to get in there? Yeah, I, I have been getting very antsy. You know, um, in in my head when I first started fighting, I always saw myself as being the first, you know, in the first female fight in the UFC, and it just didn't happen that it was me. But the women, Liz Carmouche and Ronda Rousey, did an amazing job. And and again, I was I was slightly jealous of Kat Zingano fighting Misha because I really really want to rematch Misha. But I think that things unfolded the way they needed to unfold, and it, it makes me hungry for the next opponent. So, you know, I have Jermaine in front of me, and she's one of these people that I actually looked up to when I was a kickboxer. And so the fact that I get to battle her now, like having matured as a fighter, is it's kind of exciting. And I think things happen the way they needed to happen for me. Um, it's it's good that I don't, I guess, blow my load right away and, like, freak out and be like, yeah, yeah, it's me, it's me, I'm going, you know, and instead have to sit there and watch and watch how these women, you know, how they perform, how they handle media, and, um, and you know, just learn from their examples. Did you think there was a chance you wouldn't be brought over based on how you responded a couple of questions ago? It sounded like you were happy to get the opportunity, but you weren't sure if you would get there 100%. Yeah, I wasn't sure at all. Um, I, I had two losses in strike force. You know, Zufa policy usually is they cut people after two losses. Now, I will say that my, my fight with Kate was an incredible fight. Like, a, you know, not to do my own horn, but it was a great fight. Like, even, you know, even Dana White pointed out that it was. And um, I, I thought it was great. I feel like now I'm coming into my own as a fighter, but I would completely have understood if they didn't take me on. You know, I personally think I believe in the – or I, I belong in the UFC. I, I believe I have a place there, and I'm going to do great things there. Um, I believe I'm going to be the champion someday. But, you know, I'm not the one who makes those choices. That's, that's the higher up. So, and I, I totally would have understood if they didn't bring me over. Um, I'm, I'm honored that they did. You, you mentioned uh, being excited about fighting Jermaine. You look at your record, 16-11, she's 3-2. and two. Does she deserve to be fighting you? Is she on your level? Is this a fair fight? No, it's completely a fair fight. She's had over 50 kickboxing fights. I know that, but, but as far as MMA is concerned... Fights. Well, as far as MMA is concerned, I, again, I'm on a two-fight uh, losing streak, and what you know, what better fight to build somebody off of than a veteran who has quite a few losses? You know, for an up-and-comer in this particular sport, it would be a great win for her. Now, it's not going to happen. She's <laughs> not going to beat me. I'm going to win. But you know, in terms of building a fighter, it's not a bad fight for her to take at all. So you look right now at who's out there as far because I want you to put, and we're going to get to that in a second, your sort of analyst hat on because I think you've done a fantastic job with Invicta. You look right now who's out Thank there in, in, in the UFC as far as threats to Ronda Rousey's throne. Right now, excluding yourself, who has the best chance to beat her? Um, at this time, you know, I think Kat Zingano is going to give her a pretty good run for her money. 
um, excluding myself, because I really think I'm, I'm going to be the one to take the title. I would say of people that are, are signed, I think Sarah Kaufman would do very well in a rematch against her. Um, you know, the first time she froze, I don't think that would happen again. She's a very, very determined person, and I don't think she, you know, she would allow that to happen again. But, you know, I and Misha Tate did very well against her. Um, I, I wouldn't, you know, count that against her. But I think everybody's eyes, and I think the question in everybody's mind really is Sarah McMahon. Hmm. I think Sarah McMahon, being a former Olympian, you know, being somebody who's been exposed to professional uh, sports as long as, as Ronda has been, I think that Sarah McMahon is probably going to be one of the people who will give her the most of a challenge. It's most, interesting. Most you, challenge. I don't know if that was right. No, no, I, I got what you meant. It's interesting you didn't mention Alexis Davis because a lot of people think, considering her ground game, she could have a good shot. You don't think so? Um, you know, actually, I, I honestly wasn't thinking about Alexis Davis just at this time, just because she already has a fight scheduled. But that right. does make sense. I was kind of thinking because Sarah doesn't have a fight coming up, and 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 uh, 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 well, both Sarahs don't have fights coming up that are scheduled. But right. you know, Alexis Davis, you know, provided she, you know, she does well against Rosie Sexton, I would think she would deserve the next title shot. And we if, have some um, time, right? We have some time because Ronda's only going to fight in December, so I, I think things will have to play out. Uh, between now and then, and it's it's May now, so we have seven months or so before she fights. So you're kind of hoping that no one knocks her off before you get a shot. How far away do you think you are from fighting Ronda Rousey? Oh, I'd say I'm three good victories away from that. Okay. Um, I I think that you know, provided things go well in this fight, I would really like to to call out the winner of Carmouche Tate, mm. and then you know see how that plays out, and then you know see what happens after that. Um, I think I would match up well against McMahon as well. Oh. So you know, they, and it would be it would be really interesting. I think that would be an interesting fight. Like I, I'd like I'd like to have a shot at her. But um, you know, first things first. I mean, Jermaine is what's taking up my mindset right now. But if I were to like plot things out as as you know, as a good I guess ladder to get to her, I would say that um, it would be you know, if I get through this fight, then winner of Carmouche Tate. If I get through that fight, then I would probably uh, I would think McMahon would be the next step, and then and then Rousey. Well, I like that plan. And you know, when you talk about the rise of the the women's division in the UFC, you have to you have to give a nod to Invicta because what they've done since they've arrived recently has really it, it, not so much like a feeder league, but it's almost like when you watch an Invicta fight, it's it's the appetizer to the next big UFC event with a, with a women's fight on it because the, the the cards have been great, the action has been great, they've been building stars, they're they're building the right kind of champions. Everything's working for them right now as far as the product goes. We don't know much about the financial situation. That's a discussion for a different day, but part of that story is that you've done a fantastic job on, on the mic, on the call. You, Morrow, King Mo, it's just a, it's a nice little team that you guys have there. Did you know you had that in you, that you could be such a great broadcaster? <laughs> no, first of all, thank you for the compliment. I appreciate it, especially coming from you, given your experience in this, in this field. That, like I, that really makes me happy that you say that. Um, but no, I had no idea. Um, when, before the first Invicta, when Shannon called me, I was freaking out. I was completely nervous. I was like, I don't think I can do this. I always sound like I'm on crack when I'm speaking on the microphone. Like I'm, I'm way too enthusiastic. I'm over the top. I get, you know, crazy when I speak. And Greg's like, I don't know anybody. Greg Jackson, my coach, uh, he's also my mentor in the sport. And he said, I don't know anybody who spends as much time watching female fights as you do. He said, you know all of these women. You know their styles. And, and you've spent so much time analyzing them when you're speaking to your teammates or you're speaking to me. He's like, why wouldn't you want to share that with everybody? And um, I uh, honestly, I think 
uh, another, you know, reason for this is that Mauro Ranallo has just been such a big mentor to me as well. You know, he's he really, really helped guide me as to where the conversation is going to be going. And, you know, and then I can I can look at Mo and be like, well, I don't know what this move is in wrestling. And he, you know, immediately can call it out. And then he can reference some fight that happened in boxing in the 17th century that I've never heard of <laughs> that relates to the fight we're watching that, like, he's so smart. So, you know, I, I've been surrounded by incredibly smart people who, who have taken very good care of me um, within broadcasting and, and within, you know, the team that I'm on. So I, I've just been really, really lucky. And how about those, those face-off videos? And, and, and I've said this before, I feel like Invicta, um, and my, my pal Casey, who works with me on the videos and has been sort of my partner in crime, EKC, on Twitter, that people may have seen me giving him shout-outs, works with you on this as well. But the, the the videos, the the product, the stuff that you guys put out online, as far as Invicta goes, the the, the candy, if you will, leading up to the fight, is brilliant, and and it's shocking that more promotions don't do this. And you're a big part of that. Those 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 face-off videos, particularly the one with with Beck Hyatt uh, before her fight, they're they're just great. What's it like for an active fighter though? Because we've seen them in boxing with you know the Max Kellermans of the world. You're an active fighter. You know these girls. There's tension there, but you have to put your broadcasting hat on and you have to steer the the conversation in the direction that is interesting for the viewer. How do you like doing that? Well, it's terrifying time, <laughs> um, and I will say it is. It's, you it's do a terrifying. great job. I'll say. Oh, thank you. Well, I, I, I will say this about Casey. He is incredible, and he makes me look good. Like, I make a lot of mistakes, and he's, his edit, editing skills are great. Like, if, if, I, if I couldn't even speak English, he would make me look good doing that. Like, he's, he's just so brilliant at it. But I will say that, um, you know, I don't actually feel a lot of tension with the 135ers, with the girls in my weight class. Mm. You know, kind of like, oh, I could be fighting this girl, and I could be fighting this girl. But it, it could be just because of the women that we've interviewed so far in the Bantam Elite division in those face-offs. I've either faced them before or I know them personally. Or we've all just, because a lot of them are vets like me, we've just experienced so much that we kind of have a camaraderie that we can turn on and off within, you know, the context of fights. But I will say that the strawweights, the 115ers, there is so much tension in the room every single time. And and I honestly want to throw down. Like, after the very first one um, we did with Carla Esparza and Beck Hyatt, I wanted to start throwing chairs and jumping around. Like, I was so tense after that one. I was so built up as a fighter. And then this last one um, was insane, where, where they just they wanted to kill each other. Yeah. Um, and it's I, I I don't know how to explain it, but like those two girls, like the tension there, it was it was so palpable, it was so insane. Like I was trembling, I was just like I was ready to fight, and I didn't know who to fight. I'm not <laughs> in my weight class. Like I wanted to punch the camera, so it was it was really exciting. I think it's good for me as a fighter, um, not just as an analyst, not just learning and going through the experience of of dealing with different people's temperaments and emotions and and bringing that out in them. But as a fighter, it's really good for me too because it, it helps me learn how to handle myself. Um, in serious, or in, in, I guess, situations of drama and tension. So it's it's a really good learning experience for me. You know, in the last few months, uh, as as Women's MMA has been getting more attention, we've seen these sort of recap videos, not recap, sort of uh, historic videos about the rise of women's MMA, the history of women's MMA. A lot of people have done them. The UFC even did one. And any time you, you, you put one of these out or you see one of these, there is always your fight against Gina Carano, the first ever Elite XC show in, in February of 2007. Um, and it was it, it couldn't have been a more perfect fight as far as introducing women's MMA to the masses here in North America. What do you remember from that? And and when that ended and you guys embraced, did you did you think that you had done something special that could have really got the ball rolling on where we are today? 
You know, I, I think that the specialness of that fight is that it was it was a very pure fight. And, and what I mean by that is Gina and I just wanted to fight. Um, I really wasn't aware of the impact that it was going to make before the fight. I was aware of it afterwards. And, and from a personal perspective, losing that fight was the best thing that could have ever happened for my career, ever. If I'd have won that fight, I never would have changed anything, and I never would have joined Team Jax, and I never would have understood my strength and my power as an individual in this sport. But, uh, you know, in, in the impact of it, Gina's just, she's such a good fighter. She's such a, a strong fighter. And, and being able to, to make history with her like that is an experience, I think, that, that really bonded us. Um, I don't approach fights. I'm very, very competitive. But I don't approach fights as necessarily a personal thing um, beyond what I want to do and what I want to show to people, what I want to prove about myself. And I, I want to destroy the other person. But afterwards, I really, you know, you, you could put a, a gorilla in front of me and I want to fight them. Like, I, I just, for me, fighting is, it's not, it's not me trying to kill the other person. It's me trying to kill whatever demons I have and just putting them on the other person. And, and Gina, she kind of understood that. Like, after that fight, she actually put a card under my, uh, under my hotel room, which I didn't see till the next day, just thanking me for the fight. Wow. I mean, she's class, she's classy as hell. I love that girl. And, you know, just just thanking me for the fight and thanking me for, for helping make history, you know. And, and I mean, I, I just love her to death. And, and I feel like we fought against each other to accomplish something together, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. And, it makes total sense. Yeah. And, 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 you know, it's like it's not that's just one drop in the bucket. Like it was a significant moment in the sport. Liz Carmouche, Ronda Rousey was a huge moment in the sport. There's always going to be these kind of these moments that, that you build from. And you can't necessarily, like, as a fighter, you know, I look back at that fight, and, you know, I, like I said, losing it was the best thing in the world for me. I hate losing fights. I, I look back, and I was like, oh, I would have taken this and this and this. But at the same time, just being able to contribute in that small way to, to more people training, to more, you know, more women women getting involved and, and deciding this is what they want to do, that to me, that means the world to me. And I'm just, I'm lucky as hell I got to be there. Do you think we'll ever see her back in the cage? I don't know. Um, I think she has a passion and a love for fighting, but I think that her life has taken on a, a pretty significant direction with the acting and stuff. I, I don't know. Like, uh, you know, I, I know she still loves it. I just don't know if that's, that's where she wants to go. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. Right now, I don't think it'll ever happen. I know you were at the yeah. uh, the tryouts, which is another big part of this story. Uh, Ronda Rousey, Katz and Gano, they're going to be coaches on uh, the next season of The Ultimate Fighter, which debuts September 4th on the brand new Fox Sports 1 channel. I know you were there. You can't give away too much, and there have been rumors about you know who made the cut, so to speak. But is there one name? You know, We know about the Shayna Baszlers and the Tara La Rosas. They tried out, and you know the rumors are pretty good in their favor as far as at least getting a chance. But is there one name out there, a person out there, that we're not talking about that we may not have seen on a, on a major stage that you think could really make an impact given this new opportunity of having women fighting in the UFC? Um, you know, I, I, I feel like if I answer that with a specific name, I could be betraying anyone okay. Okay. because, you know, just revealing like what I know about them, um, what I don't know. Um, so I, I, I would just kind of prefer not to answer that, but I will say that the women that are going to be chosen are going to be very, very good. And it's going to definitely be worthwhile to watch it. And, and, you know, the, the Shayna Baszler's and the, the Terry LaRosa's of this world, like, they're certainly not finished in this sport. And, you know, I, I hope to see great things out of them. By the way, what's it like having Tara at the, uh, at the Jackson's camp in New Mexico? Oh, she's so fun. <laughs> she's so, I, 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 it's, it's so fun. It's somebody who, like, we have, like, the same roots. 
in a lot of ways. Like, we've been through so many of the same experiences. And I make fun of her all the time because she beat me in a fight in, like, 2005 or 2006. I don't remember what it was. And we fought Pride Rules. And she busted my nose and she face stomped me during the fight. And it's like, I give her so much crap because she's so sorry about it. And so I, I'm, I didn't want to hurt. Like, I just, you know, I was just trying to win. And she, she can't remember that she was stomping on my face and stuff. And it's just, it's so fun. Like, I love giving her crap. She's an awesome, awesome person. And she's a great training partner, too. You know, in the in your early days, you fought for hook and shoot. And there are some who bang the drum that say, you know, when you talk about the history of women's MMA, particularly in this country, you could talk about Elite XC and Strike Force and, and, and Gina Ronda and now the UFC. But Jeff Osborne, who, uh, you know, the brainchild of, of hook and shoot, doesn't get the respect that he deserves. And he and he put on a lot of these women's fights before it was cool to do so. Do you agree? there's something to be said for that you know i try to honor jeff as much as i can and give him shout outs and, and thank him for giving me my start um I, I i do think that that definitely credit should always be shown to him and and for the hook and shoot for for starting it all um i also don't think that we should we should ignore our history as women in the sport but we also shouldn't uh disrespect what's happening in the future and what's going on now mm-hmm. so i think there's a balance i think you have to pay honor to the people that came before you and i think that you definitely have to keep your eyes open to the people that are ahead of you. And the future looks very bright with Invicta and the UFC now, and your future as well. July 27th, UFC on Fox number 8. Julie Kedzie makes her long-awaited UFC debut against Jermaine Darandami. Looking forward to it. Good luck in training. Good luck in the fight. And, and continued success with the broadcasting work. You're doing great stuff. I'm not just saying that because you're on the show. I, I, I truly mean it, and it's a pleasure <laughs> listening to you. And happy to finally have you on the, the show here, Julie. Thank you so much. I'll learn how to use Skype next time, I promise. It's a deal. <laughs> Thank you, Julie. We Thank appreciate you. it. There she is, Julie Kedzie, stopping by. Um, great to have her on. She's been in the sport for a very long time, since 2004, and finally she will get a chance to fight in the UFC in just a couple months. Okay, let's move along now. As I said at the top of the show, every few months or so, I, I, I get the same question on Twitter. Fans are asking me, whatever happened to Brian Bowles? Why don't we hear from Brian Bowles? When's Brian Bowles going to fight next? When is Brian Bowles going to do an interview? Well, my friends, we finally got him on the show. I've been searching all over, all over the world for him, really. I've been asking so many people to get him on the show. We finally got him. He is fighting May 25th against George Roop, and we are honored. We're excited to have him on the MMA Hour right now. Brian, how are you? I'm doing great, man. How are you? I'm doing great. I, I got to ask you off the top, where have you been? We really haven't heard from you since your your fight against Uriah at UFC 139 a year and a half ago. Where did you go? Oh, I've been around. Man. I've been. Uh, I tried to get on the uh, Atlanta card, and uh, you know that was wasn't able to happen. I guess because the Canada card fell through, and um, you know and then I tried to take some time off, and you know and. Uh, when I tried to come back, I kept hurting my back. I got staffed twice, and I got lazy again. And, uh, you know, just before I knew it, man, I'd been out for a year and hadn't hadn't did anything. But I've been around. I've been tra- back training hard since about October, November. And you've remained, and I know you're not the kind of guy who seeks, you know, the attention and the, the media and whatnot, but you've remained very quiet. I mean, have you done any kind of media in the last year and a half? Because I haven't found anything. No, nothing at all. I haven't. Uh, <clears throat> it's pretty much like uh, everybody stays so busy with the next fight coming up. It's not like it used to be, you know, three or four years ago. 
people was always wanting to do interviews, whether you had a fight coming up or not. But it seems like more now that it's like if you don't have a fight coming up, you know, you kind of you're just a little more quiet. <clears throat> so you say that you know you had the injuries. We'll get to that in a second. But you got a little lazy. I mean, when you talk about getting lazy, how long are we talking for? Um, you know, I might be out for a month or two. But see, my problem is like I've always had problems with my back, and um, and when I when I sit out like that and I try to come back, you know, I just got to come back so slow to get my back conditioned to it that if I don't, I'll hurt myself, you know, and, and that actually happened to me. So I just uh, would try to come back too fast, and then I would end up hurting my back, and, uh, and then it would put me down for another month, you know. So then before you know it, man, you've been out five, six months without doing anything just from trying to take off a month or two. And these injuries, were they serious enough that you considered not fighting anymore? No. Nah, um, I mean, you kind of get down on yourself, you know, when you're not training and you just happen to lay around and you're like, man, I don't know if I want to do this. You know, just I guess it's sort of like just being depressed because you're a fighter and you can't train, you're not fighting, you're not making money. You know, like you said, you're not, not doing the interviews, you're not doing anything. <clears throat> but... No, as soon as I got training hard again, I realized how much I love it, man. This, this is where I belong. This is what I want to do. How does someone who hasn't fought in a year and a half, who makes a living doing this, how, how do you, how do you survive? Where, where, where are you making money? I haven't been. I've just been the money that I've acquired. Uh, like I, I don't really live an extravagant lifestyle, man. I drive an, an old used truck when I bought it. A truck, I bought a used truck, you know, and uh, I just rent. And um, and I invested some money in some uh, properties and stuff, and that's paying a little bit. But, you know, other than that, man, I've just been living off what I have. And I've been teaching some classes and uh, doing privates here and there. But, you know, any substantial amount of money I haven't really been have coming in. How close to 100% as far as your health is concerned are you right now? I'm 100% now. I mean, actually, the time off gave, you know, like, you acquire these just little little nagging injuries when you're on the grind all the time. If you're on the grind a solid for a year and you, you got three or four fights in that year, I mean, you got, you like, wrist will be hurting, your rib will be hurting, you know, your, your knee. And, you know, and I had all those little injuries that was just nagging at me. And, you know, all those are gone now. Hmm. Uh, so it may have did me some good. You know, I'm 100%. I feel really good. I'm, I'm more motivated in the gym than I have been in a long time. And I feel really good right now. Why is that? Do you think the time off reinvigorated you? I do. You know, I think I was just, sometimes when I was going in the gym, man, I was just like, um, just it wasn't fun to me anymore. And I started doing this because out of fun. You know, I didn't I didn't start doing this being like, yeah, I want to fight in the UFC. This is what I want to do. You know, I just started doing it for fun. And then, you know, when it became my job, and all the pressure got on me. Quit been so much fun, you know, and just the grind of it, you know, that little bit of break, um, you know, just got me refocused, man. And I, I really enjoy it now. I'm, I'm back to where I used to be. I just, I really like training again. What's interesting is, and this is, you know, a credit to how good of a fighter you are, but maybe a credit to how shallow the division may be at, at this current time. You're still in the top ten. People still consider you in the top ten, even though you haven't fought in a year and a half, and I think a win or two, you're, you're very much in the mix because the guys are at the top right now. You haven't fought, particularly, you know, the, the Hen and Burrows of the world and, uh, and Dominic Cruz in the UFC. So 
do you think that you know you fight one or two more times in the UFC, you do well, those feelings could come back because the pressure is going to come back. The spotlight is greater now in the UFC. Are you afraid that that you may get a little burnout like you did you know a year and a half or so ago? No, because now I realize what it's like without it. You know, and I don't I don't want to feel that again. You know, I, I realize you know when all that's gone, and you know, like I said, I was just sitting in the house doing nothing that. You know, I need to be out there fighting, and now that I'm back, I realize that you know, it was just stupid of me to be getting lazy like that, and um, I think it just got me refocused. You know. So right now, as far as your 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 fighting future is concerned, you have this fight against George Roop. How far away in your mind have you even thought of that? How far away do you think you are uh, to be involved in that discussion of fighting for the title? Um. I'd probably say I'd at least have to win three fights. Um, and it, that would depend on, you know, how well I do. And if I go out there and knock everybody out in the first first round, you know, it's going to come a lot quicker than me winning decisions. So it's just on who, who my opponents are and how I perform during them. But I would say it's at least going to take me three fights. Were you aware that so many people were asking about you? It was amazing, at, uh, particularly around the, 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 the Henan versus Michael McDonald fight, and, you know, the, the, the division was very much in the news. People kept wondering, where's Brian Bowles? Why isn't he being talked about? Why doesn't he have a fight? Did you know about all this? You know, I've, I've heard about it, but I've just been staying off Twitter and off Facebook. I just haven't really been been on there much. But, you know, my friends would all tell me, and I would hear at the gym, and um, people I'd be doing private with they would be uh, asking me, or if I'd go out somewhere and I'd run into a fan or something, they'd be asking me all these questions. But, um, you know, I really haven't been reading it, but, you know, I've, I've heard about it a little bit. Why did you decide to stay away from all that? I don't know. Sometimes I just get tired of all that. There's a lot of nonsense on there. But uh, I realize it's part of the game, and you got to do it. you gotta, you got to make yourself... Uh, more famous, but uh, I mean, if I had my choice, I would just fight, you know, and would never have to worry about that. But I know it's part of the game, and I got to do it more. Do you miss the WEC days when, at least before you became the champion, you could fly under the radar a little bit? Um, you know, it's like I was, it's kind of give and take, man. It's like, yeah, I like just being able to cruise around and do whatever I want and go out and just not being bothered. But then again, you know, like, you kind of like being recognized sometimes, and you know, and you make more money when you're more famous. So, you know, there's a give and take there. How do you? I mean, I'm sure you you've watched some of these fights. What do you think about what Hannah Burrell's doing? He's done good, man. Um, at first, I was just like, uh, you know, I wasn't quite sold on him, man. He's been tearing people up, finishing people. So, I mean, you can't not respect somebody if they're uh, competing the way he is. Well, you know. You go in there underestimating somebody like him, you'll end up getting knocked out or submitted. You had an exciting fight against Dominic back in WC. Unfortunately, you you came out on the losing end. Uh, he has been out for a very long time due to injuries as well. If they fight to unify the belts, who are you favoring? If they now, what was the question? If they fight each other to unify the titles, who do you think wins? Um, if Cruz hasn't been out a year, I would say. Uh, I'd be leaning more towards him, but now if he uh, just straight come back for the title fight, I would I'd put my money on Barrett. Hmm. 
That's interesting. Now, you know, part of your, your, your history, at least in Zufa, some might say that you have been injury-prone. Do you think that's fair? Uh, yeah, I have a little, little problems. It's mostly my back, man. It's just mm. uh, I have uh, two degenerative and two bulging discs, and, uh, and it just I got to really stay on top of uh, prehabbing it and strengthening it. And if I just get lazy on that a little bit, then uh, it puts me down. And I just got to be just got to stay on top of it. I mean, it, and really, even if I'm taking time off, I've got to stay on my back and keeping my back strong. And then usually it's not an issue at all. What about the hand? Because if memory serves me correct, it, it kept injuring as well. Yeah, I broke my hand three times. <laughs> uh, but you know, the last time I broke it was Cruz, and I've fought three times since then. I've been training since then. Uh, I've really tried to work on punching technique and trying to not like the reason I broke it cruise man I just threw a threw a, uh, a technical punch I hit him with the side of my hand and just broke my pointer fingers knuckle off and uh, I've been trying to take off my power and realizing I don't have to hit everybody absolutely as hard as I can and uh you know it's just I don't like sitting out all that time you know and just to be clear what exactly is the medical issue with your back what are you dealing with oh Two bulging and two degenerative discs in my uh, L, like L4, down in the lower part of my back. Pushes on my sciatic, and oh. uh, you know, that's basically the issue. And, and, and is there a chance you may need surgery? Oh, I, I'd really rather not do that. You know, I've heard a lot of bad stories about all that. But like like I was saying, man, if I'm doing all my uh, stability work and all my, my prehab and just really staying on, strengthening my core it's really not an issue at all and i don't go i don't go in i can't go in and you know uh squat 300 pounds that's just never going to happen for me but uh, as long as i'm staying on strengthening my back it's really not an issue so george roop uh looked good in his return to bantamweight in his last ufc fight he's six foot one it's amazing that the guy could even make bantamweight considering how tall he is and, and his frame. You're five foot seven. What do you have to do to, to, to sort of neutralize his size advantage that he'll have against you on May 25th? I mean, it's the same old story against, you know, shorter guy, I guess, tall, tall, long guy. You know, I got to, I can't stay out at the end of his uh, reach and eat his jabs. He likes to throw them uh, uh, head kicks. You know, I got can't eat those. I just got to be in close where I can connect and, um, you know, and, and taking him down and scoring takedowns and just, you know, he likes to get you going back at the end of his jab and kicks and uh, keeping you at that range. I got to close the distance and get takedowns. Well, Brian, it's good to have you back. It's good to hear from you again. I'm really looking forward to this fight. I think it's a really fun fight. It's UFC 160, May 25th, later on this uh, this month in Las Vegas on Memorial Day weekend. The return of Brian Bowles versus George Roop, a very important fight at 135 pounds. Good to have you back, Brian. Thank you very much for calling in, and we'll see you in a couple weeks in Las Vegas. Yep, thanks for having me on. There he is, Brian Bowles, the former WEC bantamweight champion, if you recall a few years back, his knockout of Miguel Torres at WEC 42. One of the highlights of that year, that was a fun weekend. It was UFC 101. Um, the, the, on Saturday night, and then there was a WC event in Las Vegas on Sunday night, and a lot of people weren't giving Brian a shot in that fight. Went out there and knocked out Miguel Torres, and that was kind of the beginning of the end 
of Miguel Torres in, in Zufa. And another, another highlight that I remember about uh, Brian Bowles, an amazing little sort of fact about his career, fought Demacio Page at WC35, August of 2008, submitted him with a guillotine choke at 3 minutes and 30 seconds of the first round. Fought Damasio Page again in his UFC debut in Louisville, Kentucky. Submitted him with a guillotine choke at 3 minutes and 30 seconds of the first round. Exact same time, exact same round, exact same opponent, three years later. That's amazing. That's something that you could put in your cap. A feather, if you will. Good to have him back. Thanks to Brian for for stopping by. All right, let's move along now. We've got uh, a very interesting guest coming up who is uh, very excited to come on the show, I presume. He has been tweeting a a whole lot over the last few few days. He's involved in a bit of an ugly legal battle with Bellator Fighting Championships, Bellator MMA, as they are calling themselves right now. He is the former Bellator lightweight champion. He is Eddie Alvarez. Eddie, how are you? I'm excellent. What's up, Ariel? It's good to have you on the show. So, Eddie, as I said... Uh, last few days, just kind of out of nowhere, you just went on a, a, a Twitter rampage. Your, your Twitter handle is E. Alvarez Fight, if anyone wants to check in and see what you've been tweeting about. And you just kind of exploded about this situation that has been ongoing for a very long time. We've covered it at length. You've been on the show. Bjorn's been on the show. You're back on the show now. You tried to, to, to come in when he was on. He didn't want to talk to you. Where did this come from? Why did you feel like you needed to sort of open this up again and, and get the people listening to you? Well, it wasn't... I haven't been on Twitter for a little while. I, I actually... I, I needed to... Uh, I, I sold an investment property recently, and uh, the property sold a lot faster than what I thought. And uh, I'm transitioning down to Florida. So I'm having my old tenant that, that was in the, in the house that I sold move into my home. And um, I, I wasn't ready for him, so I had to go downstairs. I took a sledgehammer to the garage, and I knocked my whole garage out. I put tile down, and I made the downstairs a living area so my so my tenant had somewhere to stay. And um, I've, I've been doing that construction project. I've been on it for about uh, six, seven weeks, uh, 14 hours a day on my own. Um to, to get it done just so I can make the transition that, that I'm, I'm about to make and, and get that household that I need to make. So I, I apologize for being absent from everything, period. Um, and uh, when I did come up finally from, from the project and able to breathe, you know, as soon as I was able to get back to, like, my everyday life, I heard that um, I heard that uh, via common people at Spike were um, trying to get my charges thrown out. They went to the judge. They went before the judge uh, and got try to get my charges thrown out. And uh, luckily, the ju- judge was competent enough to tell them, "No, I that you know I have legitimate claims. I have a, a legitimate case, and that you know they're not going to. So they're they're. Uh, I, I believe they were trying to get them thrown out, and that was denied by the judge. How did you find out that they were trying to do that? My, my, uh, I, I have a friend who's also part of my management team. He called, he called me when they did it, and uh, my attorney called it and said that uh, they try to get all, all my charges thrown out. The judge said that there, there's not a chance, no way. It's, it's Monday, May 6th at 2 o'clock. It's 2.03 p.m. Eastern time. Where do we stand right now as far as your fighting future? What is the latest on this case? 
the latest on the case, uh, I believe that uh, we're going through the discovery phase. I don't, I don't know a whole lot about you know law and what's going on here, but uh, I believe it's the discovery phase where they ask us a bunch of things, we ask them a bunch of things, we, we're obligated to answer them, they're obligated to answer them, and that's that's where that's where we're at, and we're trying to get a trial date. And um, I was told by my attorney on the that he'll know he'll know something within the next week or so. So. I'm, I'm waiting on a, a, a trial date. Did your attorney tell you what kind of timetable you're looking at? In other words, let's say this thing you know, plays out as long as it can, regardless of whether or not you'll fight in the UFC or Bellator, just when you can fight again. Do you have any idea? Uh, no, I, I, I really don't. But, uh, I mean, I, I was told that if someone, you know, I was told by a, a number of, of legal uh, a number of lawyers that um, if if a promotion was willing, that I can fight tomorrow. That Bellator wouldn't necessarily win an injunction case. <laughs> really? That if 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 um if a promotion was willing to take me on and, and fight me, and I go fight, that they they wouldn't win an injunction case. That there would be no way. So I mean, uh, that was interesting to hear. But um. You know, my hands are tied now. I'm trying to do everything the right way. And um, it just seems, you know, the, the people from Spike and Viacom are getting in the way. And I believe they had every intention on doing this anyway. You know, it was clear how it's all playing out and the things that are going on. It's becoming more clear to me that they had every intention on blocking me from going to the UFC from the very beginning. How is that becoming clear? Um. So one one big part of it was uh, when the UFC uh, sent their contract offer over for me to fight the champion, uh, Ben Henderson. Uh, Bellator right away changed the structure of their of their whole organization. Now now you didn't have to go through a tournament to fight a champion. That was that just coincidence, or was it because the UFC put it in my contract? <laughs> you know that that I got to fight their champion. So right away, Bellator puts out. Oh, now now we, you're allowed to fight the champion. I've been asking for that rematch since the fight happened. I've been asking to fight Mike Chandler and get that rematch. They said, no, 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 you can't have the rematch. I, was, I had to go through the tournament first. And then right away, when I get a, a contract offer from another company saying I could fight their champion, Bellator and, and the, well, I think Viacom took over or whatever, they say, oh, well, we're going to change the whole structure of our, of our company. No longer do you have to go through the tournament. Now a champion, uh, former champion, can fight a champion. Right. So you think that's yeah, that, that's in response to your deal? You mentioned that one hundred percent was in response to the deal. So, so how no, much I, of how much of this is 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 Viacom, Spike, and those guys, and how much of this is is Bjorn? Because at first it seemed like it was you know the the the, the sort of heat was directed towards him, but lately. Like I said on Twitter, you, you, you keep saying that this has nothing to do with Bjorn. He has no more power. So in your opinion, is Bjorn not the one standing in the way? Is someone else standing in the way of you getting this deal done? No, no, it's not Bjorn. It has, it, it, I, I, I believed it was Bjorn because that's the one I always used to deal with. I always used to deal with Bjorn. I spoke with him on the phone, text message, everything. But it's beyond him. You know, I went over Bjorn's head, spoke with, spoke with Kevin Kay, and spoke with... Yeah, I spoke with these guys and, and told them exactly how I feel and told them what was going on in his own company. What'd they say? No response. 
I got a two bed. We're sorry. I guess I guess it's going to get ugly, like Dana said. They 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 actually responded to you and said, "Too bad. We're sorry. I guess it's going to get ugly, like Dana said." Not 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 too bad. We're sorry, but I got that exact quote. You can quote me on that. I got. I guess it's going to get ugly, like Dana said. That I got that one hundred percent. That's the answer I got. So and I said, "Wow, man. Go ahead. I'm, all I'm asking, all I'm asking for is an opportunity, like you had." Kevin Kay is the president of a company. He worked his way up. He worked his way up to the lower ranks, got a little bit higher, a little bit higher to became president. I said, that's all I'm trying to do with my own career, my own life, my own everything, is to work my way up. The same way Bellator started on ESPN Deportes, they moved to uh, MTV2, they moved to, uh, moved to uh, wherever they moved to, and then they got to Spike. They just moved their way up so they can become as highly ranked as they can. I'm doing the same thing as a fighter, but they're stopping me. So when you tell him that, what does he say? I don't get a response. Oh, you know, it's too bad. Uh, you know, UFC should have wrote their wrote their uh, they should have wrote their contract tighter. They should have wrote it tighter than what they did because there's some gray area there, and they're using that gray area to hold me. What's interesting about this is we had Kevin on the show before the Spike debut, and he said he had nothing to do with your situation, and it was a, a sort of Bjorn-Eddie deal, and he was kind of staying out of it. What you're saying here is, is quite the opposite. So you're saying he very much has something to do with this. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. He knows yeah, everything that's I, going I, on. I, I stopped speaking with Bjorn because I thought that Bjorn was just a mouthpiece. I, I, after a while, I got to feel that Bjorn has less power than what he acts like he has. So I said, you know what, if I can just speak to Kevin, maybe he'll understand. You know, Maybe if I speak to the person that Bjorn answers to, maybe he'll understand me. Maybe he'll get a better grasp on what's going on here and that this is going to be bad for them and it's going to be bad for their company. And um, after telling them, I got no different response. I got no different response. Are you... actually, actually, since I told them that, I got, I got uh, the opposite reaction than what I thought I was going to. I thought I was going to get a sense of understanding yeah. um, and, and maybe this thing would get settled and maybe they would actually, you know, even even if I, it wasn't a point of uh, me, them letting me go and go to the UFC, maybe they would say, okay, we're going to pay him the same thing that he deserves to get paid, that he would have that he would have made. But it wasn't even that. It was no, no, not, not going to happen. And um, we, uh, like, like Dana said, I guess this thing's going to get ugly. I said, okay, man. When did this happen? When did this conversation happen? Mm, I mean, maybe, I mean, I, I can't be 100%, but maybe about two months ago. Okay. Maybe a little more than two months. Maybe a little more than two months ago. Is it... I haven't been... Go ahead. Completely open with, I haven't been completely open with the public because we're still on settlement discussions, and I thought that, you know, maybe they would end up doing the right thing. Maybe they would end up compensating me the way that, you know, that that would make a match, you know? But no, it's, you know, not not that way. And and what I'm will, what I was willing to settle on, believe me, was 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 nothing compared to what I would have got paid with the UFC. So I'm not being unreasonable. I'm not being close to unreasonable. I'm being super fair and and it's nothing. It's like, no, it's, I'm not getting I'm not getting much of no no budget. I heard recently that 
after this initial sort of uh, you know news cycle came out about your issue and, and and you guys going to court that there was actually discussion about settling that you would get the 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 Chandler fight and that there was an effort being made to make amends here and that you would return to Bellator is that what you're saying is did you guys sit down recently they, they you had an idea in mind you you threw it out to them you said you were settling it wasn't quite what the UFC was making and still at that point they weren't in favor of it 100%. I said yes to the Chandler fight. So they offered That's what you... they want. They, they wanted the Chandler got, fight. They want the Chandler fight. That's what they want. They want Mike Chandler. They want me and Mike Chandler. Because and they... I'll give them me and Mike Chandler. But you, they, they want me and Mike Chandler for nothing. Mm-hmm. They want it for free. <laughs> you know, it's like... It's, it's unbelievable. I'm like, hey, man, I'll give you the fight. I'll give you what you want. Just let me go. No. No. You gotta... You gotta... <laughs> I'm... It's so frustrating, man. It's so frustrating. So what do you say, Eddie? Like, you're saying when you like say dealing, for... it's like dealing with it's like dealing with a woman, you know? <laughs> you don't you don't quite know. You're saying you're you'll give it to them for free. What do you mean by that? You, you want to give them a one fight deal? You want to agree to a one fight deal? You fight the Chandler fight and then you leave? I would do that. Yes, yes, yes. But what 100%. if you're what if you become the champion? You could understand why they don't want you to be the champion and leave, right? Yeah, I don't care. I don't care about being a champion. That's all. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. Uh, a three round fight. Okay. I don't care. I don't care about being a champion. I don't care about. I'm way. It's way beyond that. I could care less. We can do it. A three round fight. It don't have to be. I fought a lot of non title fights. I'll do a non title fight. It, it doesn't matter at this point. But is it is it safe to say I, that I, I want an opportunity? So when you say that, is it safe to say that at this point right now, that's off the table? And even if they give you the exact same deal that the UFC has given you, considering what has happened in the last few months, that you do not want to fight for Bellator anymore, that you are done with them? No, no, no. If they come to terms and, and, and they match, like is agreed in my contract, not match material terms, they match all the terms, yeah, no problem. No problem, man. I agreed to this. And this is one thing that I keep hearing on Twitter and I keep hearing um, people say. It's his fault. He signed mm-hmm. the contract. He agreed. You guys are completely right, and I'm not arguing with anybody who says that. But you have to understand, I, was, I signed a contract that said I, that Bellator had to match all the terms when the matching period was coming on. Bellator sent me my early release but they changed the, the wordage in my early release. They changed the all terms to material terms, which have, has a completely different meaning. And if I was to sign it, then you, everyone who's saying that I signed it and it's my fault, then I would say, you guys, I would agree with you and say, I did. I signed something, and, and um, I deserve to be going through what I'm going through. But they tried to change the contract midway. When they gave me my early release, they sent me another contract and changed the words in it and hoped I'd send it back um, quickly to get, because, to get the release done with. But my, my management and my, and my attorneys caught them trying to change the words in the contract from material terms, uh, from all terms to material terms, because they know they can't match all terms. They know that. They know that they don't have the same opportunity as the UFC. They know all this. So they tried to make that small change to make their case uh, uh, basically a lock. That would have made their case a lock. I would have never been able to, to go anywhere if I signed that. And they got caught. They got caught in the middle of doing it. 
you, you, you nobody said... asked Bjorn. Nobody asked Bjorn in in the media yet. Nobody has asked Bjorn. Hey, when you sent Eddie his early release and did him that huge favor, you did him that huge favor of that release. Why did you change the words of his original contract? Why did you change material to all terms? Because that's the match right there. That's what this whole case is about. So the contract that you signed way back when, when you started with Bellator, when they wanted to give you the early release to go out and negotiate and get a better deal out there to whichever organization, you're saying they tried to sneak one by you, they tried to change the words of the contract, hoping that you would sign it, and then they could say, look, it says material terms. Is that what you're saying? Because that seems like a pretty, I don't know, to change the, a contract that, that, that wouldn't fly because you'd probably have to date when you signed it, right? One, that's exactly what happened. My, my original contract says all terms. Okay. It says that they have to match all terms during the, during the period. Uh, Viacom and Spike took over, and uh, they gave me an early release. And then now all of a sudden, the new early release says that I have to, that they only have to match material terms, which I believe they did, because they know that's all they can match is the material terms. The, the win, the show or whatever, but they can't match Fox. They can't match the pay-per-view. They can't match the opportunity that, um, that and, and the money that, I was, that I, was, I was going to be given by the UFC. They can't. And that's why they changed it. Or else they would never have to change it. They could have kept the contract the way it was. So they tried to sneak one by you, and when you caught them, what did they say? They acted very nonchalantly and said, oh, oh no problem, no problem, and, and, and still let the early release go. So and, and I believe, I believe they, what they did was they took a shot, and if they and if and if it went through, then great. There's no way I could argue. But if it didn't, they still have some gray area to play with. I think that's what, that's what, that's what they're thinking was. But you, you, did you ask them why did you change a very important part of the the contract? And if so, what was their response to that? I'm sorry. Yeah. You know what I get? I, I never get an answer. I get, you know. I never get an answer. I never get a straight answer. I, they kind of move around it, you so, know, and start talking about something else. <laughs> and uh, the weather. It's 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 pretty it's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good how they how. It's, I don't even know. They kind of tricked me. I'm like, wait, did they answer it? Did they not answer it? Kind of. <laughs> so you never signed it though, but they still gave you that quote unquote early release. No, no, I never, I never signed that. They, you know what they did? I told them to deal with my management. And uh, they sent the new one to my management, but then sent the old one to me that said all terms, that said material terms. <laughs> so they sent, they sent two, that to my house. They, they sent the new one, the, the, the one where they changed it to you, hoping that you would sign it, but your manager would see it and be like, oh, this is... So they, they gave you two different ones. Yeah, they sent my management the one that said, uh, okay, we made the correct change, which oh. says all terms. And they sent the one that said material terms to, directly to my house, hoping wow. maybe I'd sign it, put it in the envelope, send it back. <laughs> wow! And so, you, but you read it? Yeah, I read it. I said, "Hey," I called Glenn. I said, "Hey, I got the I got the um the material terms one right here." He said, "Don't touch it. Put it down. Don't even." <laughs> <laughs> wow! And when was that? How long ago was that? That was in the beginning of all this, you know, when they, they you know, when the articles came out saying double tour match. So what, why, why are you just saying this now? I said, I said it before. I said this before. About the, the, the two different contracts? Yeah, I said this before. But the thing is, is that people are forgetting about. They're still arguing that I signed <laughs> a contract. 
I, I signed a contract, and I, I'm obligated to that contract. And I agree with you guys. But you can't change a contract in the middle of a contract. You can't do that. They're playing unfair, man. I'm, I'm, they're playing unfair. They're kicking in the balls, and I'm trying, to, I'm trying to play by the rules. They're lying to the judge. They're changing the contract. They're, you know, it's, I'm, I, I can't play like this. So if, if I sound bushlig to you guys, I apologize, but they're not leaving me any really choice. I'm not, they're not leaving me any choice. If you're going to kick me in the balls, I'm, eventually I'm going to kick you in the balls back. Do you get the sense, Eddie, that this has really nothing to do with you and this has something more to do with the Viacom-UFC relationship, the, the the war, if you will, between Spike and Fox, all that stuff, that you're just the guy in the unfortunate position to have had his contract come up at this particular time and they're just using you to mess with each other? Exactly. This is a Viacom thing. This has nothing to do with Spike, Bellator. This is Viacom, you know, doing... Whatever, whatever it is they're doing, and I got that sense exactly when I heard the words. Oh, I guess, I guess it is going to be. This is going to get ugly, like Dana said. Once I heard that come out of his mouth, I said, "This has nothing to do with me. This is a, this is a big uh, part of my friends. This is a big dick swinging contest between two, two companies. It has not, it don't have. I have nothing to do with this." So, considering that, why do you even want? Even if they match it. Why do you want to work for people like that? Because there's no one else to work for, Ariel. <laughs> who, who else do you work, work for? If they're all the same, then you work for the guy who's paying the most. Right. Have you, t- have you talked? If they're all the same and no one's different, you work for the person who's going to uh, offer the most benefits. That's it. Every fighter out here needs to uh, worry about themselves, you know? If all, of them, if all of them are trying to pull fast ones and do this and do that and and, and uh, try to get the best of you, then you got to work for the guys who are going to offer you the most benefits. You really don't have a choice. Does a part of you wish the UFC just could have offered me a bit of a better deal? This this never would have happened? Like, they kind of they kind of put me in this position? No, because I, I think regardless, um, this would have happened. Rega- even if they offered you the greatest deal ever? What would have been the greatest deal ever? I don't know, but you're saying regardless. I mean, if they would have offered you a million dollars a fight, you think Viacom would have would have matched that? No, no, they, no, they weren't enough. But you know, how how can you offer me that? Right. How, you know, that's that's not you know that's that's crazy talk. You know, it, <laughs> it, they they could offer that, but I mean, business wise, they'd be stupid. But you didn't you know, get as I, much as Hector Lombard. No, I didn't get as much as Hector. But you know, um, I got a title shot right from the beginning, and at the at the end of. Uh, at the end of everything, uh, with the with the pay per view cards I was fighting on, I was I was offered two pay per view cards, which were uh, the George St. Pierre card and the Chalstonian card. Um, do, do, do you think, in your professional opinion, me and Mike Chandler would have did the same amount of pay per views? No, obviously not. Okay, I mean, you're talking about a serious difference of money, right? Serious difference in money, retirement money. You know, where I can go home and tell my kids, yeah, I, I've been a pain in the ass the last 10, 15 years, and I know this has all been kind of shitty, and uh, I've been leaving and went through this and went through that. But now the investment paid off, you know? It paid off. House paid off. You guys can go to college. You can do some cool stuff, you know? Like, that's the one, two, three fights in a fighter's career where they can say that, 
their their invested time and everything that we did, and how unsecure insecure, unsecure that this like profession is, how we can say, all right, it was worth it, you know. And the one time where you get the opportunity to do that, you know, the company jumps in the middle. Does Zufa know about what's going on? How much do you keep them uh, abreast on, on on the latest developments in this situation? I don't. Yeah, I mean, that's if they want to keep abreast, they can. I'm not bugging them with my situation, you know. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't really look at it. Look at it, you know, of, of like the Zufa anything, you know. They put their business. They put an offer in, you know. They didn't. They didn't want to get involved. In, I don't think they want to get involved in this stuff. They put an offer in, and and they and they put a, a good offer in. And it's an offer that I wanted. Will you, you look? Know, will, will you look to fight elsewhere? You you said you could do that and and maybe get away with it. Will you look to do that now? In 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 the meantime, I don't know, man. I don't know. Um, right now, my back's not against the wall. Like I said, I I I did really good selling an investment property, and um, I didn't want to sell it, and I didn't want to use that money to you know keep me afloat. But that's the way the situation's going right now, and um, you know. I'll do it. I, I want to fight, you know. I want to fight. I want to get back in a cage and fight. I, but my hands are sort of tied, you know. I have to do what I'm advised to do with, uh, and I listen to people who are a whole hell of a lot smarter than I am. And uh, if they tell me, hey, I can go fight or, or whatever, then I'll go fight. This never happens. You but, never have to sell that property. They, they, they forced you to do something you didn't want to do. Oh, 100%, man. I need I need this I needed to sell property in order to stay afloat financially. Like I there's no there's no way I can go, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten months without fighting. That's that's crazy. I'm not making millions of dollars. I've I've I got five me, me, my wife and three kids, uh, one who's in Catholic school. Um, you know, I got expenses, bills, I, just like any anyone else, just like anybody else. And I, I don't live extravagantly, man. I'm like I'm really, I'm really frugal. I, I, I don't waste my money. Um, if I, if I do have any vices, I, 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 um, I, I spend, I spend too much money taking my kids and my wife out doing stuff. <laughs> I, I don't have any like, you know, crazy expenses. I, I live according to my, uh, to my pay. Final thing, Eddie, and we do appreciate the time and, and the candor. When in your, in your heart of hearts, when do you think you'll fight again? Do you think 2013 is lost? Or, or do you think you'll you'll have a chance maybe at the end of the year? No, I think there's a chance at the end of the year. I really do. All right. So, keep my fingers crossed. I really think um, I'm headed to Florida in a, in a month. I'm already uh, start. I'm already gonna start training here in Philly. I got all my uh, every other obligation out of the way. I got the check from 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 my property. It's in the bank. So now now I can just clearly focus on getting ready. So I mean. If anybody got to fight for me, I'll be ready. <laughs> and, and and is there a big date that we're looking at? Is there, as far as the, the, the court is concerned, is there a date that you're looking at, the next step in this process? No, nothing yet. I'll let you guys know um, immediately. But my, my attorney said give him a week or so. All right. He is Eddie Alvarez. We do appreciate it, Eddie. We wish you the best of luck. He's on Twitter, twitter.com slash EA. Uh, well, it's actually E. Alvarez Fight. And uh, he's very active there. Hey. Yep, go ahead. Ariel, one second. Um, my my cousin, my cousin Eric. Um, I think he's at Efec. Um, he he made me an app. He made me my own app. Okay. He does. He creates he creates applications for the iPhone things like that. Well, he made me my own app. So go check my app out. Um, All right. He just he literally just did it, and 
it updates itself. There's all the updates on there, videos, everything like that. So check it out. That's cool. We will check it out. Thank you very much, Eddie. Keep us posted. We appreciate you stopping by. Thank you. All right. There he is, Eddie Alvarez, the former Bellator lightweight champion. Ugly situation. Could get uglier. We do appreciate him dropping some knowledge on us here on the MMA Hour. Okay, let's move along. The next big UFC event goes down in less than two weeks. It goes down in Brazil. The main event is former Strikeforce middleweight champion Luke Rockhold versus our next guest, the Phenom, the King of Kings, the old lion, the young dinosaur, Vitor Belfort. He is back on the show. Vitor, how are you? I'm good, Ariel. Thank you for having me, man. It's great to have you. We we apologize for being a little late there. Ugly situation with Eddie Alvarez and... Uh, he was kind of pouring his heart out to us. I'm sure a veteran like you, you sympathize with him, right? For sure, man. Especially we trained together in the same team here. Yep. So I feel for him. I really, it's bad, this situation. Man. It's really, really bad. But, you know, God knows. You know, now it's coming to the end. And I think he just has to focus on what, what, is, what is ahead of him, not what in the past. As a veteran, as someone who has seen it all in this sport, what kind of advice do you give someone like him? He's clearly frustrated. You've dealt with all kinds of promoters. You've been everywhere in this sport. What kind of advice can you give him? Uh, just by listening to him, it's just like, you know, you have to surround yourself with people that you can trust and people that can speak to your life. And, and like you said, like be humble, live for his family. I know he lives for his family. He has principles, and, and, and that's what it's about, you know. One day, we're we all going to be histories, and not a, not a lot of, a lot of guys are going to be remembered because champions is always going to be a new champion, but it's just how you carry yourself and how you see yourself and what's the most important things in your life. You know, this is our job, but just keep your integrity and keep focus. Don't live flash and having the right people around you. I think that's the key. You know, worship God first. You know, be 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 faithful to the things you believe and live for that. You know, that's that's what it is. Be truthful. When you were offered your fight against Luke Rockhold, how much did you know about this guy? Yeah, he's he's good, man. No, he's a young guy and he pre. You know, he's learning a lot of jiu-jitsu and kickboxing and good wrestling background. And he, you know, I, I, I kind of followed the strike force a little, but not much. But I knew he had pretty, pretty good skills and, and, and he trained with a good team. And, you know, and I, don't, I don't pick fights. I accept fights. You know, that, that's, that's what it's about. You know, he just, it's a good challenge, you know. It will be a, a great matchup for me. Your last couple fights, obviously you, you recently beat Michael Bisping, now you're fighting Luke Rockhold. It seems like your opponent is flirting with a title shot when he fights you, but you don't get those same terms. Do you think you'll ever get another shot at the title? I think I think the 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 you know like things that you don't control things, you know. I, I just trying to w don't waste my time in things I cannot control. You know, I, I respect a lot UFC. You know, Dana White, he's a promoter, and that's his job, man. And my job is to be ready. You know, you know, to fight. I was yesterday, man. I was just thanking God that I have a job 
that I can perform, still perform with my age and with everything I accomplish. That you know that that I, I I fight for the best fighting organization in the world. That and just be thankful, man. You know, I'm I, and the time will come and 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 just be happy with the things you have. And and you know, of course, I'm focused on what's next. And but uh, it's just living the present moment, man. You know, tomorrow will take care of himself. It's just living today, and today will will bring tomorrow for sure. Luke Rockhold, Luke Rockhold recently did an interview with MMA Fight Corner, and he said this, Most of all, I got more heart than Vitor. I think I'm more of a man than Vitor. What do you make of that? Is he right? I think he's wrong, but, you know, what are you going to say, man? People say whatever they want to say, you know. You know, if he doesn't know me, I don't know how he can say that. But we will see, you know. I, I, I don't describe... You know, you cannot judge. You cannot. I think it's too arrogant to say you're more of a man. I don't even know. He doesn't know what a man is. You know, he doesn't have any kids. He doesn't have a wife. And I don't. I don't know what he's thinking. You know, he's talking about courage. You know, I don't know what he did in the sport. I think this is disrespectful. You know, the way he thinks. But it is what it is, man. You cannot control a mouth. You cannot control people. And my conversation with him will be inside a cage, and I'm not going to have to talk. We're going to fight, and that's what it's about. You know, I'm, I don't need to prove anything to anyone. You know, I did a lot of things for the sport, and I'm still doing and facing these young guys, and and, and I'm bringing the heat, man. You know, I'm bringing He will come to a jungle. He will face a lion. And it's a sport. I cannot control results, but I can control my attitude toward the results. And, I'm going to win, buddy. That's what I can say to you. You know, he has said a lot about you, and I want to ask you about one of those comments in a second, but do you think in, in, in the buildup of this fight that he has crossed the line? Has he made this personal, in your opinion? No, nothing for me. I, I, don't, I don't fight on that level, you know. I don't, I, don't, I don't even know what he said, what he's talking. I don't even care, man, you know. That, that interview is about me. It's not about him. And... You know, whatever he said is, is on him. You know, words, you know, have power. And I think when you're proud, when you're arrogant, when you cross the line, you got to deal with what you said, you know. Bispin did the same thing. And guess what? You know, people talk, man. You know, people talk and they're trying to promote fight. And now I think Chelsea and kind of letting, letting this, you know, people... People say, wow, I can do the same thing, and I think it can get attention, you know. I think Charles Sonnen has some kids around the blocks. <laughs> but it, it, it is what it is, you know. Everyone chooses a path, and everyone chooses how they want to how, how describe themselves, you know. I, I'm, I'm glad that I don't have to call attention talking smack and, and, and losing disrespectful. Martial arts for me is totally... I will respect, and this is a sport. You know, I didn't come from WWF, and I never watch it. I never really kind of enjoy the sport, you know. I like the real thing, you know. UFC for me is the real thing, and I have a lot of respect for my opponents and, and train hard and fight to win, and that's what it's about. Peter is about, you know, fight, not talk. After your last fight, it came out that you were on testosterone replacement therapy can you explain to us why you need to be on this? 
it's hard, you know. I cannot explain why you need something. Just the doctors, you know, just, you know, they said that, that I needed. And, and I said, uh, I did everything. I, I did everything by the book, you know. I went to the commissions, the UC, and I never hired, I never hired anything from them, you know, so they knew what I was doing. You know, and I, I believe everyone has your personal things, you know, and everyone has to do your, like, my health is my personal life, you know. But uh, they, they came, a lot of people in, in, on PRT, they, they, don't, they don't tell them, you know, whatever. But my case came out because they, they got a guy in steroids and they thought it was me. And then, you know, they just they just opened the books, but they knew I was doing everything with the doctors, with UFC together. They I never hired anything and opened up, man. It's just open books with me. Nothing was was cheating. I never cheat. You know, everything was by the book, and it is what it is. Dana White said recently that anyone who's on TRT will have to undergo extra testing leading up to the fight. Have you been involved in that? I did. Yeah, I did. Everything is normal. My, my ranges are even lower than the normal. You know, I did everything I, I should do. It. You know. What do they make no you problem, do? Man. You do a blood test. You know, in the day, and you go there and do the test. They, they check your levels. Uh, how often do they make you do that? To just ask, they call and say, "Oh, you have to go this and have to do the test." No, but like how many times days. have they asked you to do that? Many times. Really? Is it a nuisance? Yeah. Is it is it is it bothersome? <clears throat> Not at all. I mean, it's good. It's good. I don't need to spend money on blood work, you know. So you you think it's important to do this? You're okay to do that to sort of sure, because you know. Listen, man. Whatever is good to to make the sport sport clean and, and and because it's always like there are people cheating looking for something you know it's I agree man this is I think Dana White is doing the right thing you know the I think the more we are because we're gonna separate who is doing the right thing and it's so it's 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 important I think it's important you know the the the, the good doctors around. So it's involved a lot of things, you know. So I think this brings the sport in a different level. TRT has become somewhat of an ugly word in our sport. Do you feel like you are being mislabeled a cheater because you're on this? Are you being treated unfairly by the fans and the media? You know, people don't know about it. That's why I think I think what they they you know people like it's easy man to just talk, you know. It's just easy when you talk bad and when you talk gossip. You know, that's the world, man. That's sell things, sell papers, you know, sell fights, you know. That's what people love, you know, gossip, you know, talk and this. and They need something to entertain themselves, you know. So I think everyone has to, you know, just live what, what you like, you know. I don't judge. I don't like it. I don't like to talk bad about people. I don't like to talk about people. I like to focus on in, in, in doing the right thing for myself and learn and improve, correct my mistakes. And and it's, it's when you point the finger, man, it's four finger point back to you. So you just got to be, you know, you got to be smart. You just got to be wise. And, 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 just, and just this, I think, is just, 
just you cannot control it. That's that's the world system right now. It's the the, the Babylon system, and you know people are, people like it. You know why they don't talk about people? They do TRT and they lose in the first round. You know. Right. Because you know TRT doesn't win fights, man. You know, you know doesn't win fights. You know, you know look look, Chael Sonnen. You know, I mean he's on TRT and he lost fights in first second round. And it's not doesn't win fights. You have to have skills to win fights. That's um, what it is. A lot of guys they're in it. You know, I think they should release release everyone there who's in it because that will bring more legitimate in the sport. You know, and and people. UFC doing the right thing and passing people, so I think we're in the right path. And if you lose, man, you know you just accept, man. It's everyone give excuse, you know. It's a fight sport, man. One win, one lose, and one overcome and win again, and that's what it's about. Luke also said this in the same interview with MMA Fight Corner about your TRT usage. He said, I think it's a crock of shit, personally. I don't understand it. I think it's just crap. But at the same time, if they're not going to punish him, I will. And I believe it hurts you in more ways than it helps you. Do you agree with that? Does it hurt you more than it helps you being on this? I'm glad that he's not my doctor, man. <laughs> I'm glad that and I don't need to listen to him. You know, it's like, uh, I'm glad, man. I'm glad I have a good team, good trainers, good, good, good coaches, good doctors, good people around me, man. And that's what it's about, you know. I listen what I listen to right people. Imagine if I listened to what he said, man. I would be miserable if I listened to my opponents. <laughs> I would be living a miserable life, my friend. There are some who believe that you have to take TRT because of you know you, you've had some other issues with the commissions in the past. Does this have anything to do with some of those issues in the past? I don't know, man. You know, I, I really I'm not a doctor. You know, it's hard to. To tell you what it is and kind of go on that is more, it's more a doctor's thing and, and that they know what it was, you know, like they know sometimes things happen and you just gotta treat it. Like you don't know when you're gonna catch a flu, you don't know when you're gonna catch a, a something. You know, people don't know when they're gonna have cancer or not. They can avoid it. Why they, you know, what? So I live a clean life, you know. So if I need something, you know, I'm not ashamed to to, to treat myself. By the way, you know, go as ahead. Long, Sorry. As long as you just be, be free, man, you know, be free and, and just do the right thing, you know, you just get accepted. By the way, how, how did you uh, think Chael did against John Jones last weekend? I think, you know, the NBA is doing good, man. You know, I'm looking for a good, 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 good final. What? The, the NBA is doing good. What do you mean? I, I, and by the way, if you want to talk like NBA. My, my, my <laughs> NBA, you know, I like Miami Heat. I think he's going to win. The, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm a Knicks fan. I, I think the Knicks are actually going to yeah. beat the Heat in the next round, just to let you know. Yeah, so you guys see it, man. Wait, wait, so you, don't wanna, you weren't impressed is what you're saying? Yeah, you know, I, we, everybody knew what's going to happen. Right. Um, it is what it is, man. You know, you just got to step there, and I think he did, you know. He went after him. But, but you did much better against John Jones than he did. I know it was both both a loss, but you almost had him. He was not really in the game. Yeah, you know, everyone everyone leaves your foot fingerprints. You know, you know some they live in one way, some in the other ones. Some the, some fingerprints is on more than the mouth than on the on the on the attitude. So 
<clears throat> it is what it is, buddy. You just got to judge by it. You can only judge what you see. Have you it's been hard a- to judge, you cannot see. Have you been annoyed with Michael Bisping? He's he's accused you of a lot, even after the fight. Um, no. What am I going to think about that guy, man? <laughs> the guy doesn't respect himself, my friend. It's Why do you say that? Because when I think the way you talk, it just just I think the way just he, he perceives himself, and then he comes to my coach. Oh, tell Victor I like him. I talk smack, you know. That's the way it is. But he's he's great, you know. He deserves the win. He just he just entertain people. That's his job, man. Did his he's dad come after you too on Twitter? What? His dad, I think, was uh, coming after you on Twitter too, right? I don't know, man. I don't. I don't listen. I don't. I don't. I don't. I'm not a gossip. I, I, you're more into that than me. Man. <laughs> Everything you tell me, I, I don't even know. Well, that's that's. I don't live in that world, but I'm sorry. Hey, I, I cannot answer anything that I don't know. Two more questions, and then we'll let you go. And we appreciate the the time very much, Vitor. Always a pleasure. Uh, mm-hmm. you're, you've been in the sport a long time, but you're only 36. Do you have any idea how long you want to fight for? How much longer? Tough questions, my friend. You gotta. You got to, this kind of question is just hard, you know. I have passion, I have joy, and I'm doing what I do, man. Just the time will come, I will accept it. And just enjoy the ride, man. I have a fight in two weeks, and I'm so happy. I'm fighting a young guy, you know, I'm a very talented fighter, and and I'm looking for a win, man, you know. That's what it's about, man, the sport. Man. I love the sport. I love the just step in that canvas and just challenge them and great. It's going to be great. So you you don't even have a date. You don't have an age or, or X amount of fights. You're just going to go with the flow. Look, you look like you know, man. I don't know, man. The, the way you talk, you just want to retire me today. No, no. I just wanted to know. You know, you're a guy who's very... I know you don't like to look to the future too much and in the past and all that, but you're, you're a guy, I feel you're very smart and you have things planned out. You have a good team behind you, your wife, you have a good foundation. So, so I was just wondering. So, 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 so we're ready to fight. We're not ready to retire. I have everything in my hand. So we're ready to fight. You know, I don't know when. I'm just I'm ready, man. You know, we are ready to go, man. Are you hoping that no Anderson... Concept, no talking, just acting. Are you hoping Anderson beats Chris Weidman on July 6th that maybe you could get another shot against him? We'll see, man. You know, we'll see what's going to happen. It's hard to talk about something in the future that you don't even, you know, happen now. You know, we'll see what's going to happen, what's going to be the whole thing. And this is a job that I'm glad I'm not a promoter. I'm (laughs) glad I'm a fighter. And my job is to fight and get there and be the contender and fight for the championship. That's what I'm looking for. So I got to win to be there. You know, it's about winning. Okay, this is the last one. What are we going into this fight as? Are, are we, what are we? Because he's young too, but are we the, 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 the young dinosaur? Are we the, the old lion? What, 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 what is the symbol that we're going in with? The symbol is always, always the same, you know. Uh, we are the lion. And the lamb, but in the day we're gonna be the lion. The dinosaur is a different type of animal. It's a different jungle. So it's just something. The lion is always the the, the, the main thing, you know. The lion is something that just show respect. You know, he knows how to live in community. You know, he has that thing that you know protecting the the, the range. You know, he respects. But you don't you don't step on the range of the line, and that's what about in that in that cage. That's my range, you know. That's my my jungle, and 
we're going to win. You know, we're going to to take every good jungle and and it's going to be awesome. It's going to be fun. It's going to be joy. It's going to be a great night. It goes down May 16th, May 18th, I should say, at Arena yeah. Yarugua. How do I, how do I say that? Jaragua. Jaragua in Jaragua do Sol, Brazil. Yeah. Nice place. I've never I've never heard of Jaragua do Sol. Is that nice over there? Yeah, Brazil. It's the 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 south, north, everywhere you go, it's beautiful. Wow. Awesome country. It sounds very exotic. I look forward to it very much. Vitor Belfort, Luke Rockhold. Okay, my friend. It's a pleasure, Vitor. You guys should be what TZM? TZM? What's the gossip thing? TZM? Never heard of them. What are you talking about? The Heat, the Miami Heat? No, no, the the gossip program, the TZ, TZY, whatever. You mean NBA basketball? You no, see, you see gossip, what I'm doing here? I'm doing this. I'm doing the same the thing gossip. you did to me before. TMZ. <laughs> I could play that game. I could play that game. Yeah. TMZ. Yeah, good, man. You, do good. You, you, you know all things around, man. You know what's going on everywhere, man. Is that a compliment well, or an insult? I'm, I'm, I don't know. Yeah, it's good. It's oh, okay. Good. <laughs> like, you know everything. Like you, you, the way that job, man, I'm telling you, I think you're one of the best in the job. You're following everyone. You know everything. When you interview, you know the thing. You know the father, the mother, the, the, <laughs> even... What's what's up with the dog? You know, maybe you gotta know. And I've I've respect. <laughs> yeah, I have so yeah, much yeah. respect for you in the sport that I have to do my research. I have to live and breathe this. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Like you know everything, Ariel. You impress me. Oh, thank you. You're impressing, man. You're doing good. From you, it means the world to me. Man. And and you do it with respect. Thank you. you. Thank you, Vitor, so much. I appreciate it. Good luck to you uh, in uh, you, in just a couple of days against Luke Rockhold. Thank you. Thank you. I know I got you in my corner, my friend. There he is. The phenom himself, the legend, Vitor Belfort. He fights Luke Rockhold in one of the more anticipated fights of 2013, May 18th, in Arena Yaragua, in Yaragua do Sol, Brazil. I love talking to Vitor. It's, uh, you're, you're talking to a real legend there when you're talking to a guy like Vitor Belfort. And, you know, he answered all the questions. I know there are a lot of you who have your doubts about the TRT usage. He answered them. He was there, didn't try to change the subject all that much other than the, the NBA question, which that was actually about Chael, which was a little strange because he brought up Chael before. And then he had to go piss me off and say the heat. The, you know, I have so much respect for the guy. I think he's a smart guy. But to say something like that clearly proves that he's not, he's not dealing with a full deck right now as far as basketball is concerned. And the co-main event on May 18th, is very interesting. These guys are linked. Luke Rockhold beat Jacare Souza to become the Strike Force middleweight champion. Jacare Souza also making his UFC debut in the co-main event. He was supposed to fight. Jacques, well, Jacare Souza was supposed to fight Costa Filippo, who injured his eye just a few days ago. He suffered a cut underneath his eyebrow, above his eye. So he's out. And in comes in Chris Camozzi, who was also fighting on the card. Chris Camozzi was fighting Sapo Natal. Now Chris Camozzi is fighting Jacare. And Chris Camozzi joins us right now on the MMA Hour. Chris, how are you? I'm good, man. How are you doing? Good to have you on the show. We appreciate it very much. I'm doing very well. You know, Sapo and, and Jacare, at the end of the day, their, 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 their foundation is jiu-jitsu. But a lot of people would say, at least right now, Jacare, much higher ranked than Natal. When you were offered this fight... Did you have to think twice about it? 
No, no, not at all. Um, it took me about two seconds, really. <laughs> really? Um, yeah, you know, it's a cool opportunity. Um, you know, they, they bumped me up to the co-main event, and I get to fight. Uh, Jacare, somebody who I've followed for a long time, uh, he's in the top ten, and, uh, you know, that's what I'm here for. I'm here to fight, and uh, I'm here to make a name for myself. So I'd rather fight the, the better guy. So what was your reaction? I mean, was this like winning the lottery? You move up the card. You're fighting a guy who's, you know, highly ranked, highly regarded, former champion in Strike Force. Were you ecstatic when you heard this news? Oh yeah, man. Everybody, everybody um, at the gym knew. You know, I, uh, I I went to the office. You know, I had just walked off the mat and uh, was showering and, and changing, and then I looked at my phone and uh, I had a bunch of missed calls. So uh, from my manager, my manager, so. I went and called him, you know, I, I knew it couldn't be good. So I went in the office and called him. And when I came out, man, I, I had the biggest smile on my face, apparently, because everybody was like, what's up, what's up? You know, and, and people knew that something good had happened. So that fight is going down in 12 days. Um, obviously, you were going to fight on the card, so it's not like you're out of shape. But do you have to do anything differently in training now that you're fighting Jacare and not Sapo? You know, I, I was training for a, a good ground guy. So. Right. A lot of it will stay the same. I mean, obviously, like you said, Jacare is a lot more decorated uh, of a grappler. But, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff stays the same, and, and that's just a lot of footwork, a lot of movement. I'm in great shape. I'm in better shape now than I was uh, March 16th from my fight with Nick Ring. So uh, even better, you know. I think the main thing when people take short-notice fights is the worry is always that they're not in shape, you know, that they're not going to be ready. Um, you know, and, and I wish this fight was five rounds. I'm ready to go five rounds if we wow. needed have you watched that fight that you had against Nick Ring in March? Uh, there are some who believe that you didn't deserve to win that fight. Do you, do, you, do you think otherwise? Have you watched it and 100% think that, yes, you did deserve to win that fight? Yeah, I do think I, I, I won the fight. Um, I watched it. It was closer than I would like. But, uh, you know, I think I did enough to win. I was more active. Uh, I think I was landing the better shots. I don't think he ever hit me with anything, uh, you know, that, that hurt me at all. Um, I landed some good knees to his face, and, and I think I pushed the pace. So, you know, in the end, uh, I think I controlled the ring and, and uh, deserved the win. So that win was your fourth straight in the UFC, and uh, this is your second go-around in the UFC prior to that. A bit of an up-and-down tenure. What's been the difference for you? Why are you on this winning streak right now? Well, for me, you know, I just did a blog not too long ago on my, my website, chriscamosimma.com. Um a lot of it is just, you know, my training partners, I'm bringing in better people all the time. My gym's growing. Um, since I've been on this streak, you know, I've gotten in all the coaches I needed. Um, in the beginning of my UFC career, uh, I didn't have a whole lot of training partners. I was in the process of switching gyms. Um, you know, I just had a Muay Thai coach. Um, and now things are, are coming together, you know. Now I have a wrestling coach, a jiu-jitsu coach, a Muay Thai coach. And uh, I've got tons and tons of big guys to train with. So it's really just piecing everything together in the gym and, and everything's slowing nicely now for me. And I feel like I've hit my stride. You mentioned your website. It's uh, com. And around the time of that Nick Ring fight, you, you, you made some headlines because you had this very interesting blog post about MMA sponsorship these days and, and why you know, you're, you're not interested in just, you know, putting anyone on just to sort of sell space and for a hundred dollars here or there and how, you know, it, it needs to kind of evolve and you, you were kind of taking a stand. Why did you feel compelled to do that? 
Uh, it was just getting to the point where, you know, I was moving up on the card, and the money, the sponsorship money was even less, you know. Some some people were trying to offer free gear and stuff, and, and you know, I'm in this to make a living. Um, you know, I'm not saying this is my only option. I'm not one of those guys complaining, you know, that I have to do this for my, my family or anything. You know, I know I can go get a job anytime I want, but, uh, you know, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it full go, and I'm going to make the money that I need to make. And uh, it's just a matter of, you know, people people lowballing because other fighters will take it. Um, you know, and I, and I don't blame the uh, I don't blame the sponsoring companies. You know, that's that's business. If somebody will do it super cheap, then then take it. You know, that's that's their job to save as much money as they can and get as much exposure as they can. But it's a lot of these other fighters that are lowering the bar for all of us by. Uh, you know, wearing their shirts for, for free T-shirts and stuff, you know, and that kind of ruins it for everybody else um, as far as trying to make a living because these companies are like, well, why do I want to pay you this if uh, so-and-so will do it for a free T-shirt? Mm. And uh, I just think all around it kind of messes it up for everybody, whereas if all of us decided, you know, no, we're going to get paid, I mean, those companies, they have to be in the UFC. They have to advertise in there or they'll go under, you know, so they'll – They'll find the money, you know, they pay the tax, they pay everything else, and they have all this money, but, uh, you know, they don't want to give it to the fighters, it seemed like. So, for me, I, I just figured I'd make my own shirt, I'd sell my own shirts. Um, you know, they're up for sale now on my website, uh, again, com. They're for sale on Performance MMA, and now, I, you know, I made more money off that than I was offered as far as a, a walkout shirt. So, wow. Um, you know, if need be, then I'll, I'll do it myself. Um the other side of it is uh, loyalty. You know, a lot of these people, these companies, they don't want to sponsor me unless they find out I'm on the main card or anything. I mean, you wouldn't believe how many calls we've gotten since I got moved to the co-main event. And, uh, you know, some of them we turned down because if you, you didn't want to work with me in the past, you just want to work with me because I'm in the co-main event. Then, uh, you know, I'm more interested in building relationships with companies and, uh, you know, working together rather than a logo placement and where I am on the card. I was actually just about to ask you that, you know, now that you've moved up, you say you got more calls. Well, isn't this your time to cash in? Why don't you take advantage of of these companies and and okay, you're getting a better placement, you moved up the card. Why don't you just take their money? Well, you'll see. I mean, uh, as far as sponsors that I that I will represent, um are people that either we've worked with in the past or uh people that we've talked about working with and still have a talking relationship with. You know, they are offering a good amount of money. Um, you know, the, these companies that I'll be representing will uh, they'll be people we've, we've had contact with and that have had interest in me when I was on the undercard even. You know, so I am still cashing in. I'll still make money, and I'll still make really good money. Um, you know, I have a great management team behind me and great media. And, uh, you know, I just think we're doing it right. Were you surprised by the amount of calls you got once you got bumped up to the co-main event? Did you did you get a taste of how things may be different in that position as opposed to, say, the prelims? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it makes their, their job a little bit easier um, as far as being able to pick and choose um, who we're going to go with, and we have a few more choices and stuff. But, uh, yeah, I, I was surprised. You know, I guess I expected it. Um, the more exposure you get, the, the more people want to work with you also uh, around that, that that same time you had to cover one of your sponsors hate breed right and and i saw um on a dana white video blog recently 
I believe you two were conversing and he was like, you know, sorry about that and we'll get that straightened out, etc., etc. Where do things stand now with, with Hatebreed, which is a band, right? Yeah, Hatebreed is a band. Um, I think a lot of it had to do with the name. People don't understand. Um, you know, and they just make a, a judgment call off the name. Um, I don't necessarily know if it's the UFC. Um, you know, because Dana's worked with Jamie Johnson and Hatebreed before. Um, they did the soundtrack for the Ultimate Knockouts, I believe, the first one forever ago. And, you know, they, they've done music for uh, um, Andre Alosky and, you know, a few other guys. Shane Carwin's used their music before. Um, I think part of it is the, the culinary union kind of attacking the UFC out of nowhere and, and just making this big fit about stuff and, and looking for small things to to jump all over. Um, now I don't know that, but that's just my assumption because like I said, Dana has worked with them before, so I don't see why um, he would have a problem with it. And I've even used Jamie Joss's music before. So I, I'm not sure. And I haven't heard all the details on it yet or if uh, Jamie Joss and Dana had a chance to talk yet, but I hope they did. And I hope they worked it out because hey, Breed and, and Jamie Joss are great people. Um, I enjoy working with them and they've supported me for a long time. And, uh, Hopefully we can continue to work together in the cage. So will they be a sponsor of yours for your fight on May 18th? Uh, as far as I know, I think we're we're trying to find out if it'll be approved. Okay. Um, and if it will, you know, I see them definitely wanting to work with me. Um, if not, I'll, I'll continue to support them on my social media and stuff. But, uh, you know, I understand them not being able to, to do anything if they can't be in the cage. But... Uh, another another good thing I guess I should mention is that even though their stuff was covered on my banner and my shorts and I couldn't use their music, uh, they still paid me. So, wow. you know, they still held up their word even though it was out of my hands um, and I couldn't use their stuff. Well, that's certainly impressive, and and I'm sure a lot of other companies wouldn't do something like that. Now, considering your, your strong stance on this subject, do you think a change in in the way fighters are and the way they are um, well, I guess for lack of a better term, unionized, do you think that would help? In other words, would a fighter's association of sorts, would a union, would that help you guys deal with this stuff better and not have people sort of bastardize the system, taking things for much cheaper for free and then hurting the other fighters? Do you, do you feel like that could help the situation? No, I don't think we need a, a union or anything. Um, I think it's just more of, these fighters and managers, you know, just hold your ground and uh, hold your stance. And, and if you don't get money from this company, then, then find another company that will pay you. Don't just sell out to to these companies because in the end they need us more than we need them. Um, because I can tell you a hundred clothing lines that have come through, a hundred gear companies that I've seen throughout my career. But, uh, you know, the fighters, the fighters are there and there's only so many of us, uh, you know, that are giving them the exposure that they need. So, in the end, I think the companies will give in before uh, before the fighters need to. Hmm. All right, so we'll, we'll we'll see how that plays out. And it's funny because we had actually had Malki Kawa on the show recently, who I know is not your manager, but it seems like fighters and managers, people are starting to smarten up about this. Like uh, the, the sport has reached a point, and whatever point that is, that people are starting to speak up more about this stuff and get educated and not feel like they need to take things for free you know, just kind of, you know, grow up a little bit and, 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 and play hardball and, and see what you're really worth as opposed to just taking something and be honored that someone is, is reaching out to you. So I feel like we're, we're getting there slowly but surely. And people like you speaking up, 
helps the fighters and helps the sport become better and more and uh, more professional and and, and and in the end fighters can make more money that uh, that is really how i feel yeah it's, it's definitely true you know um and people that disagree i think just haven't tried hard enough because you know my my brother brian Camozzi, he's um he's had two pro fights now um not a ton but you know he's getting paid by sponsors as it is he's not fighting on tv um his fights some of them aren't even streamed online you know nobody's seeing them but uh you know, he has a monthly sponsor that pays him a salary. He's got um, he's got a few other paying sponsors per fight, you know, and this is in Grain Media, my management company. You know, they're able to find these deals for, for even guys like Brian. So, you know, when you're in the UFC, your fight's being seen at the least on Facebook by millions of people. You know, there's no reason that you should be taking free gear for trade. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. By the way, what uh, weight class does he fight in? My brother right now he's 155, but I think uh, he's gonna have to go to 170 here soon. He's a he's a huge 155er, um, and he's he's still growing. You know he's he's 21, and he's the same height as me, 6'3", 155. He's just a little skinnier than me, but he's starting to put some size on as he gets older. So the fight goes down May 18th in Brazil, the biggest fight of your career, in my opinion. Um, and it's the biggest fight of Jacare's career, even though it's not for a title or anything. This is his UFC debut, a lot of eyeballs on it. How do you beat him? How do I beat him? I think I, I take the fight to him, you know. Um, I can't give him too much respect as far as fighting. Um, I have a lot of respect for him as a fighter, but in the cage, you know, I can't, I can't give him an inch or he'll take a mile. So I think I need to get in his face, take the fight to him, push the pressure, and... Uh, you know, show him that I'm there to fight. Um, I don't know if he has it in his head that he thinks it'll be a walkthrough or not, but as far as I'm concerned, I have nothing to lose and everything to gain on this fight. So, um, you know, I think that's the most dangerous opponent. I, I never like to fight people that have nothing to lose. Um, mm. You know, and I, I feel like all the pressure has actually been taken off of me with the opponent switch. That's actually very interesting because Sapo was calling you out and you were the guy on the winning streak and all that, but now since you were bumped up, it it really does feel like the roles have been reversed for you. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, um, I think I think most people expected me to beat Sapo, and uh, you know, I don't know what the rankings were as far as us, but I think I was ranked higher than him. My record is better in the UFC than him, so I was expected to win that. Um, going into this fight, you know, I love the fact that from what I see from most people, they they don't think I have a chance, which is. Uh, the best way to go in there, you know, throughout my career, I've been brought into fights, uh, you know, by promoters where I can only assume they brought me in because they expected me to lose. And, and I always win those fights. So, you know, I feel great about this. Uh, I don't feel any pressure and I feel like it's only upward from here. And you are the UFC's Mr. International, my friend, you just fought in Montreal. You fought in Rio before that. You've also fought in Sydney in between that when you were trying to, you know, work your way up, you've, you fought in, in Mexico, I mean, you've been, oh, New Mexico, excuse me, but you, you've been everywhere. Yeah. I see what I'm saying, Mexico. Uh, you've been in Canada um, prior to the UFC. You, do you like that? Do you, especially as of late, do you like fighting all over the place? I mean, you've even been in Atlantic City, that, that crazy hot spot. <laughs> yeah, Atlantic City is crazy. Uh, <laughs> you know, I do love it. Um, one of my favorite things to do besides fighting is traveling. Um, so, you know, some of these experiences I've had are, are things that I'll tell my grandkids about and things that I'll never forget. Um, getting to travel to these countries and fight there on the, on the world stage is, 
is something that, you know, a lot of people will never get to experience in their life, walking into these giant arenas in Brazil and Australia and everything. Um, it's crazy to me. I'm, I'm still shocked, you know, when I go to another country and people ask me to sign something. Um, it's awesome, you know, and I feel uh, I feel really, really fortunate to be able to do this stuff. And if the UFC wants me to travel every fight, I, I'd love it. Um, you know, I, I've been asking if they're still going to go to Milan. I remember that rumor for a while. I'd love to fight in Italy. You know, that's where uh, my grandparents are from and everything. So I would love to make a trip there and, and fight. Um, but anywhere is really cool with me. Um, every time I see the UFC talking about a new market, I always cross my fingers and hope that they'll uh, they'll take me there and put me on the card. Well, you get to cross another one off the list. Arena, do you know how to pronounce it? I just learned, by the way. Do you know how to pronounce it? I, I believe it's Jaragua. Yeah, according to Vitor Belfort, it was it was Yaragua. Yaragua. You don't okay. you don't really pronounce the J. Uh, okay. <laughs> Yaragua do, yeah, Su- do Sul, do Sul, something like that. Brazil. Basically, yeah, it's Brazil. I'm looking forward to it. You're going to Brazil. That's really what you have to know. And you're fighting a fellow Brazilian, uh, a fellow Brazilian, of course, to Vitor Belfort, Jacare Souza. It's going to be a great fight. It's the co-main event, UFC on FX8, May 18th, of course. It is live and free on FX here in the United States. Chris, very happy that you got the, uh, the opportunity. Good luck on May 18th. We'll be watching. Awesome. Thank you, guys. All right, there he is, Chris Camozzi stopping by. Uh, his website again, Chris Camozzi MMA. You can catch him on Twitter, at Chris Camozzi. Gets the opportunity of a lifetime after Costa Filipu got injured, suffered that cut above his eye. He now faces Jacare Souza in the co-main event next weekend, UFC on FX, the next big UFC event. And that is a perfect segue, my friends, to the Rick's Picks Invitational. This is kind of like, this is like, if you're familiar with uh, Selection Sunday, the NCAA tournament, where they announce the the the, the seeds and and the the schools that will be involved in this big 68 team tournament, this is what this is like. And last week on the show, I said that we were going to go to the people, we were going to ask them via Twitter why they should be involved in the Rick's Picks Invitational, and I said it was going to be opened up to eight participants. But what happened? Wednesday afternoon of last week, the the response that I received was so amazing, was so overwhelming, was so inspiring that I decided to expand it on the spot to 16. 16 participants will vie for the crown to be called the better of all betters. It's the toughest tournament in the history of tough tournaments. That's what I'm dubbing it as. And, uh, and this is going to be a lot of fun because I have come up with the, the rules for this. Now, Rick, are you there? I'm here. I got the rules, and I'm pretty excited about it. Now, I just want to say to you, this is like when someone calls uh, into the show back in the day. I believe the speakers are on because I hear feedback. You'd be correct. It, How's I mean, that now? What kind of operation is it back there? This is something that you have to say to callers when they call on their cell phone, not to the members of the team. So, as you were saying... All right. You're like Vitor Belfort, dodging the tough questions. Okay. First off, what do you think of the set? Incredible. Incredible. I mean, are I we, are we tooting our own horns by saying it's incredible, or is that okay? The feedback I've seen has been mostly positive. Mostly? Maybe, maybe like one person who didn't like it. Why? What would they say? I don't know. It's it, funny not how much. you can get like a thousand good compliments, or a good compliment would be sort of... Um, uh, what's the word? Redundant. I'm for? Redundant. 
but uh, one negative one, and you just kind of harp on that. But I think it's – do we have a nice, tight, wide shot? Not a again, that's, that's like an – what, an anonym? An antonym? Antonym. It's been a long day, my friends. Um, do we have a wide shot? We're on the wide shot right are now. Are people able to see – What's yeah. going on here? Now, we, we should say that, yes, I do look a little small on the wide shot, and I think maybe some, some rejiggering of the camera shot, maybe a little raising. We've been talking about raising this. It will look perfect next week, right? Hopefully. I mean, <laughs> I think it looks great now, so it can only improve. Yeah. I think it's awesome. It's really a lot of fun. We've got this great uh, picture right here from Robert. Robert, yep, Robert yep, Pearson. Robert Pearson, who actually, can I say this? Why well, not? Who he works for. Oh, yeah. I, I don't think that's a problem, but... Um, well, he works for the great documentarian. Reveal it? Sure. No, go ahead. I want oh, you I'm to revealing it? Yeah. Morgan Spurlock. Yeah, Morgan Spurlock of uh, Super Size Me fame. So uh, he, he works for him, and he's a big fan. He made us this uh, great picture. Who ever said an hour was only 60 minutes? The MMA Hour, hosted by three-time, three-time, three-time journalist of the year, Ariel Hawani, Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern. Actually, uh, I actually met up with him at USC 159. Oh, yeah. How was that? That was cool. We've got these great pictures. We've got Hawani Nose. We've got this over here, which I'm kind of blocking, but I mentioned it earlier. It's just a lot of fun. The desk is a little different, but it just feels like home. I know I said that a few times. Anyway, I know people are very excited about this. They want to know if they made it. Here are the rules. I figured out the rules. There are 16 uh, competitors, right? There are going to be two brackets, kind of like the NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs. Eight, eight, right? Winner of each bracket meets in the finals. This is what's happening. Each competitor is going to be given $100, much like Rick was when he was involved in the Rick's Picks Challenge, squandered that major opportunity, which got us to this point. So each competitor is going to be given a fictitious $100 bill. All right? And beginning with UFC on FX8 next weekend, you will have to... Bet on the fights any way you want. If you want to bet on one fight, if you want to make the parlay of all par parlays, do whatever the hell you want. It's up to you. The point is to have more money at the end of the event than your competitor, than your, 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 your opponent, right? So let's just say you make a $30 bet, you lose, you have $70. If your opponent, who you're matched up against, has made a $40 bet, and he lost, and now he has $60, you win. You're moving on to the next round. You beat him out by $10. But here's the kicker. When you move on to the next round with $70 in your pocket, that's all you got. It doesn't start up again. This is real life in a fake kind of way. So you'll have $70, let's say, against the guy who hit the jackpot, won $500. You have to figure out a way to beat the guy who now has $600 in his pocket. 70 versus 600. You beat him, you move on with that amount in your pocket. Last man standing, now we will truly find out who knows how to bet, who knows how to, how to use his money wisely, who knows how to bet on MMA. What do you think? I think I'm about to win. That's what I think. Oh, yeah. I think the swagger is back, finally. For a minute well, there, it seemed like you were doubting I'll, yourself. Let me, let me point this out, too, okay. while we have a second. Before we announce the Invitational. Yes. I said um, when this started up that I was going to wear an earring of the fan's choice. Yes. Now, we had two people who did actually send in earrings, and I'm wearing one right now. Can you see me, Ariel? Uh, no, I can't. Can, uh, 
can we get me up? Oh on yes, the, yes, on yes. The I can see you. Okay. I can, wait, well, let me see. Wait, turn your head. I, go. I, I see. This is the first one. Wow. So this is wait. From, who sent this to you? All right. I'll, um, don't worry about it. I'm getting to that. Okay. This is from our friend Ash at a girly MMA. Oh my God. What is what is going on with you two? I I notice a lot of Twitter back and forth. Can we discuss this or what? She's always like all up in your grill. What's happening? She's a fan of the show. All right. All right. It just seems like she fit. I mean, it's like you could be a fan of the show. And not just be a fan of one person. Well, I mean, I'm the best person on the show, so <laughs> it goes without saying. All right, so she actually sent you an earring? So this is the one. It has an E. It has a pair of headphones, much like the ones I'm Get wearing out of now. Here. And it has a little charm in the back that says believe. So I want to say what? thank you to her <laughs> Wait for sending this in. There's a bit of a delay, so I can't really see on, on, on the stream from when you're talking. So it, it's, a, it's a custom earring. She made this? I imagine she just put some charms together on Holy. some kind of metal thing, and, and it's a stud in my ear right oh, now. Oh, now I can see it. Okay, this is great. Way to think on the ball. Um, I kind of like this right here that I get to see you. Uh, have you been wearing that all show? No, I just put it on halfway through because we had some trouble finding it, but Buzzkill <laughs> Brendan delivering wow. brought it out. Wow. How does it feel? It feels like it's weighing down your earlobe. It's, <laughs> I got to tell you, it's heavier than my, than my diamond. Yeah. Um, so okay, can I weird. see it again? Because I yeah. didn't get to see it. Oh my dear God! So this is in. So 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 she's a fan, yet she held you up to the bargain of. I said I would do it. I'm a man of my word. Wow. Now I, there's going to be a costume change at some point, and the other one will be. What do you mean a costume change? In the I have another of one. Oh wow. Um. So that'll be done at some point, probably between the invitational and the question segment. Do you still wear earrings? I don't notice you wearing earrings. My stud. Yeah. I take it off to play basketball, but other than that, I'm wearing it. Hmm. Do you think it's time to maybe retire it in general? Uh, it's time to retire the stud and wear this full time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that would be awesome. I, and and do we determine how long you have to wear that for? I'm wearing it for this show. Just I the mean, show? Yeah. Why not the whole tournament? To remind the whole you tournament. of how you squandered well, an opportunity. You know what? Maybe I should because it's in support of me. Okay. Um, I think so. It's a good luck charm. Yeah. Maybe. You know what? We'll do it. I don't, I don't have any problem so with that. So someone else sent you one. Oh, yeah. We'll get to that. All right, all right, all right. But let's get to the invitational first. Okay, yeah. Let's get to our competitors. Okay, okay, but I just wanted to ask you, are you okay with the guidelines? I don't have much of a choice, so yeah. But I mean... And I'm ready to win it, so I don't really... You've been known to bitch. I mean, do you have an issue? <laughs> um, no, no issues. Let's just do it. And by the way... Talking's can we, done. Can we give props to uh, our man, Scott, who hooked you up with that, uh, that, that wood thing in back of you? Scott? Oh, Chris. Chris. That was Chris. I forgot to mention that. Yeah, no. Scott gave us the uh, Benson Henderson. There's so pieces. many. There's so many designers that have come through these doors. It's a good. That's a good call. Yeah. I forgot to shout out uh, Chris Rinney, uh at Chris at Rinny MMA. Mm -hmm. He he does some pieces over at Fightland, um, and he made this for me. This nickel Rick. I, I showed it last week. It's not in focus right now, but it's gonna stay there. It, it's had a home behind me. It's amazing. It's perfect. You picked the the best spot for it. Well done on that. All I right. mean, thank you. I have an eye for it. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's do this. Okay, so you got it. Everyone understood. 16 competitors, two brackets. Next week, we will reveal the brackets, but now we will reveal the 16 participants who will be a part of this. They came to us via Twitter, and we're going to show the tweet how they got in, why they got in, and give you a little bit of a backstory on these people, or at least the backstory that I've made up. Now, we're going to put them <laughs> on the... Uh... Yeah, we'll put them up on okay. the TV. Oh, right, that right. way you can see them as well. And then we'll go full screen just to give them their due. Yeah, these guys... so let's... Let's uh, put them up, and, oh, then, so and then we'll exciting. go full screen. I, my, my palms are sweaty. I'm, I, I'm nervous for these people. This is, this is a big moment. This is like Selection Sunday. I, I picture them all in their respective uh, you know, little rooms on their laptop listening to this or watching it, 
and in any corner of the world. It's international. And they're just waiting for their name to pop up. This is a big moment. You feel it? I'm, I'm fine. Cool as a cucumber back here. All right. So first up, Box Father TM, Metra. How do you even pronounce it? I that? have no clue. Metra. But he's, he's calling himself the Box Father. Okay. He's the Box Father. And here he is. Rick's picks are ridiculous. Ariel, he's a fraud. Bring in someone legit. Box Father's picks. And uh, you, you posted a picture. Yes. Stats he, matter, by the way. Hashtag. I now eat the New York Rick for breakfast. <laughs> That's great. Uh, and, then, and then, <laughs> and my favorite is blah, blah, blah. Excuses, blah, blah. <laughs> and then he shows two picks where for UFC uh, on Fuel TV 9, he won 240 points, whatever the heck that means. Well, here, here's what I found a lot of people doing, which, which is, is, I think, advantageous for me. They're, they're, they're showing pickums. They picked the winner out of two fighters. Uh, that's not, that's not really. Yeah, that, come on. It's not that hard. Yeah, uh, especially when the last couple of cards have been. Come on, Musasi um, over Latifi. Yeah, come on. Uh, you know, but but so but I'm not does, impressed. He does say ten of thirteen picks, and then yeah, the, he got ten out of thirteen, and I'm not impressed by your impressed? performance. Wow. Well, he's in it. You know, I thought it was very, it was very uh, creative of him to come up with this picture. Oh. He, this is my favorite submission because yeah. of the eating me for breakfast, the blah, blah, blah excuses. By far my favorite. I'll just say not impressed by the picking record, my friend. Wow. Trash talk already. I'll be sure. And, and, and by the way, if you're wondering who the uh, selection committee is, of course, I pick these people. I will also be picking the matchups. I'm playing Joe Silva here. All right. I, I, I'm going to be the matchmaker. Now, this was the most creative one that went through. Someone put out a vine, but he deleted it. Very unfortunate. Like an idiot. It was great. He Very put out a vine. He was picked right away. He deleted it. You're out. All right, so let's move on. We yeah. got the box father. He's box in. Fa- in. Next guy, our best friend, <laughs> Sean. Sean, who, by the way, was all week long campaigning, almost threatening me to get in on this. And then at one point, he says he's going to the cinema. He's going to the movie. And I better not do this whole thing during, uh, you know, during his film. I better not ask the people for... So that was my cue to actually do it during his movie because I wanted to see just how committed he was and he responded when I sent it out on May 1st I should be in the betting competition because I got a friend to ring me in the cinema when you sent that tweet so I could enter that my friends is dedication I think he deserved a spot regardless yeah but Sean is we had to make him sweat a little bit oh yeah so there you go but he's in Sean's in Sean is in representing the great country of Ireland now we have a female competitor. So here we go. Laura Toledo, La La Land 999. She writes, because I am a female and know more about MMA than most men. Opinionated, competitive, feisty, can throw some nasty elbows. The, the rise of women's MMA in, uh, in our sport and particularly in the UFC has been a great story this year. We had to get some females in there. Laura Toledo, congratulations to you. Nothing about betting. Interesting. Yeah, but you know what? It's about being creative. You have to catch my eye with these. No, this is interesting for me. Oh, Just, you oh, know, from oh, a competition okay, perspective, okay, okay. it's, it's right. something to take note of. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, this guy, you know, this guy, want to bet UFC, had the amazing Twitter icon. He's got a, the, the gift there of counting the money. His background is money. He's all about the money. And I said last week on the show he would be a shoe-in for this. And he writes, put me in Rick's Picks Kumite. What the heck does that mean? Isn't that like a tournament kind of competition thing? 
Whatever. Isn't that, isn't that because A, at Ariel Wani suggested it on the MMA Hour. I did. And B, I have documented over $10,000 in profit betting MMA C timeline. Now, of course, I didn't see that because I have better things to do. Well, but he was so cocky. Did you see it? I've, I've interacted with him before. He okay. posts on SureDog. Um, and, I've, and I can confirm that he is a sharp. He knows what he's doing. He knows how to bet. Um, most prominently, that uh, off the top of my head, he, he was really heavy on Gomi. Um, against Diego Sanchez when I particularly wasn't, um, and that turned out to be pretty pretty accurate. Um, but I can confirm that this is going to be tough competition with Wanna Bet UFC. What I like about this is that you have some guys who are so cocky. I mean, his name is Wanna Bet UFC, so you need to get those guys who think that they are the bee's knees. It would be fun if they lose in the first round to like Laura, right? It can uh, happen because that's what uh, it's betting so volatile. It's just so much fun. It's going to be fun. I love this. All right, here's our next one. Okay. Manuel Valverde. And, you know, see, some people were very smart. They went to my heart. And all he wrote was, because I am a Knicks fan. And with that, he was in. He was smart. He didn't tell me about his betting technique. He could be great for all we know. But he wrote, because I'm a Knicks fan, everyone knows I'm a big Knicks fan. You're in, my friend. And he could even be lying. But he was smart. His name is Mavs Real. For all I know, he's a Mavericks fan. This is a terrible entry. I Bad think selection. Ah, uh, my man Kyle, uh, Kyle Haas is telling me Kumitai Bloodsport. Kumitai, yeah, you know what I'm saying? He spelt it wrong. Anyway, or maybe he didn't. Maybe he's just spelling it out. I don't know. It was dumb. But Manuel, great job. You're in. <laughs> terrible. Disagree. Okay, here's one. Trent Dozier. Trent underscore Dozier is his Twitter name. He wrote, because I bought all three Helwani Nose shirts, I invited you to my B-Day dinner. That is a fact when I was in San Jose a couple weeks ago. I've only been gambling less than a year. I'm the underdog. And I like the fact that he's calling himself the underdog. He's recognizing it. But he's been betting for a year, so he has that experience. And he's a great supporter. Bought all three Helwani Nose shirts and invited me to his B-Day party. You're in, my friend. I love that selection. That's gambling a great one. Gambling less than a year, that's perfect. Yeah. Uh, also... Awesome icon, gotta say. Uh, picture with Don Fry. Oh, yeah. A plus plus. A plus plus. Okay, here we go. Brendan Irish at Irish Rule 15. I've been following the show from day one and have been a loyal fan. I should be in the invitational because your son is the best. I mean, the, the beginning was cool and all, but he said your son is the best. I mean, come on. You, you, you know that. All I had to read was your son. I mean, if you would have said uh, something disparaging, that would have been one thing. But, yeah. Very smart, Brendan. Congratulations to you. You're in, my friend. I see you're a daddy as well. Or maybe not. Maybe you just like to hang out with little kids. But great, <laughs> great job. You're in, my friend. And I think we may have our second Irishman in the tourney. It could be, it could be just his last name, though. It could be Notre Dame. Oh, we yeah. don't know. Yeah, that's true. All right. Uh, our next entry. Sean Ashby, and this is a very interesting one. This is a bit of a, uh, an MMA celeb, if you will. I am a degenerate MMA gambler living in Las Vegas, and I was the matchmaker for at Ronda Rousey's first two amateur fights. Pick me. So I love this. We've got a guy who, who lives in Las Vegas. He calls himself a degenerate, which I think most gamblers are. And he was the matchmaker for Ronda Rousey's first two amateur fights which I believe was with the Tough Enough promotion. This is great. Ashby LV, you're in, my friend. Congratulations. Kudos to you. Our next one's our buddy Stephen Archer. Okay, Stephen Archer. Who called in last week. Of course he did. He said, I suggested the Unfollowed tournament last week and this week's King of the Hill. 
Besides, I called from an inside, uh, from inside a storage container last week. Uh, we didn't go with those two suggestions, but longtime fan of the sport, longtime fan of our show, and uh, he called from a storage container last week. We give him uh, an entry into this tournament. Stephen Archer, hey Archer, you're in, my friend. Moving along, this is a, this is a great one. Patrick Blake at Big Kick, and it, it was legit. He told me that he was re- replying to this. He gave me a couple tweets saying why he should be in. But the kicker was, replying to this is my first tweet. And in fact, it was his first tweet. That series of tweets that he sent out to, uh, to, to, to get into the Invitational were in fact his first tweets. He was kind of a lurker on Twitter. He came out there. He made himself known. He told the world that here I am. I'm ready to take down Big Bad Rick and, uh, and I give him props for that. Patrick Blake, big kick, really coming out with, with, with some panache, really coming out with big balls, I thought, to, uh, to, to, to put his first tweet out about this tournament. I give him major props for that. This is our next one. Okay, our next one. Now, Kyle Marley, I will admit, uh, I, I actually thought about taking him out of the Invitational at the 11th hour because he has been talking a lot of trash. He apparently is some kind of bandwagon Indiana Pacer fan, and he's been talking a lot of annoying trash uh, about the the current Indiana Pacer New York Knicks uh, NBA playoff series. And you know that just you know I, I block people when when they make fun of the Knicks or try to disparage the Knicks. I don't care if that's that's um, inconsiderate. I, I'll just block you. And and I thought, but you know what? He was very cocky. This is one of the cocky ones who was telling his fans on Twitter or his followers to get him into the tournament. So I thought, let's give these guys a shot. They'll probably lose in the first round anyway. He says, pick me because your fans deserve to make money while they watch fights. I'm the guy to make it happen. I'll win and show Rick how it's done. Now, you take that as a personal challenge. A lot of guys gunning for you. Well, they would be. Of course I take it as a personal challenge. All right. All right. Just saying. There he is. Kyle Marley, you're in, my friend. Now, this guy was one of the last people to enter, one of the last people to send in a tweet before the, uh, the buzzer sounded, if you will. He writes, Peter, of course, his name, Peter, NC17, at NC17 is his Twitter name. I def want in, longtime listener, and MMA betting is my specialty. I'm ranked 20th in pound for pound out of 1,000. And he shows us this, uh, this thing that I, I don't know what this is. Do you know what this is? What no is this, clue. pound for pound? No clue. No, neither do I. It doesn't look to be that impressive, whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, anyway, he's in. Peter NC17, and uh, I um, like Peter a lot because if you look at my Twitter, my, my, uh, my only favorites, the only favorite tweets that I have are regarding Peter. You can check that out on my Twitter right now. Good guy, and uh, he's been through a lot and happy to have him in the tournament. What do you want to say? I'm happy to have him in the tournament, too. He's a big fan of mine. He's, he's on Twitter right now talking about how big a fan of, of mine he is, so that's, I'm that's, happy. That's what it's about for you? Yeah. Jeez. I, I love it. It's all about being a fan of yours. Pretty well, much. congratulations, Peter. You're in. What do we got next? So Darnell almost squandered his opportunity to be on the, uh, in the, the, the Invitational because he deleted his tweet. And I asked him this morning, you better tell me a good reason in the next 30 minutes why he de- deleted that tweet. He gave me the good reason, so he's back in. He did send the tweet in the allotted time, I assure you of that. He writes, because I've been a fan of the MMA Hour since day one, and it would bring a tear to my eye to be on my favorite show. That's all well and good. He adds, go Expos. Very smart. He knows the key to my heart. He knows about the late, great Expos. He respects his past, his present, his future. He knows they're returning. I give Darnell props. He almost squandered it, 
He deleted the tweet, but we gave him a shot to, to, to make good here. Longtime fan of the show. You're in, Darnell. Darnell Giovanni. I believe this is our last one. Get out of here. This one right here. I've gone through 16 already? Uh, well, no, there's two, me and... Right. I've gone uh, through 14. Oh, yeah, we'll get Mike, that in a second. Uh, we'll get that in a second. Now, this is apparently our last one. Lee MMA only, a longtime fan of the sport, longtime fan of the show as well. He writes, the reason why I should be in Rick's Picks, uh, Rick's Picks is because I'm Irish. We got another one. Oh, and I think your mom's great. Hashtag MMA mom. And again, you talk about my mother who is watching right now, who is a diehard MMA fan, who is a longtime fan of, of uh, mixed martial arts. Well, maybe not long time, but uh, she is a great supporter of our sport and myself, most importantly. She's my mother, for God's sakes. And uh, he, he, he gave her a shout-out there. Very smart. You're in, my friend. Lee MMA only. So think, that's it? I think that's it for uh, the 14 Are you sure? Go, go through them. Okay, let's go back. This one's one. Yeah. Two. Yeah. Three. Yeah. Four. Yeah. Five. Yeah. Six. Yes. Seven. Yes. Eight. Eight. Nine. Nine. Ten. Ten. Eleven. Eleven. Twelve. Twelve. Thirteen. Thirteen. Fourteen. Fourteen. And now we've got Mr. Rick. You're in it, of course. And, of course, Mike Tyson, who has been calling you out on uh, Twitter. He made his Twitter icon, you versus uh, him, as a face-off of sorts. That is the only first-round matchup that we know of because that's been brewing for a long time. There's a, there's a lot of bad blood there. The rest of the matchups I'm going to make this week, and we will reveal the bracket next week on this very show. I like it. What do you think of the competition? <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. No, I'm... I'm I'm just kidding. This is anybody could win this thing. It's uh, betting's volatile, and I'm gonna win, but anybody could win. Well, it starts with UFC on FX8. It will continue. So what do we got? We've got 16, then eight, then four, then two, four events, right? So it will start with UFC on FX8, followed by UFC 160 May 25th, followed by UFC on Fuel TV. That will be uh, June 8th. And then it will end in Winnipeg. Perfect. Which, by the way, your first-round opponent, Mike, is from Winnipeg. I'm sure he wants to win the crown in his home country, in his home city. That's unfortunate. Yeah. This is going to be out in the first round. So there it is. It's going to be great. It's the toughest tournament in the history of tough tournaments. It's the Rick's Picks Invitational. Congratulations to the 16 who entered and got in. Thank you very much to everyone who uh, applied to be a part of this most prestigious tournament. I know a lot of you are upset. I know a lot of you are heartbroken that you didn't make it. But here's the silver lining. If someone doesn't get in, if someone uh, doesn't get their picks in on time, there may be a chance to come in as an alternate. So hold your horses. If that opportunity arises, we will reach out to you, and hopefully you can get a shot. Now, as far as the picks are concerned, it's going to be the same thing. You have to get your pick in within an hour of the weigh-ins. So let's say the last person weighs in at 4.30. You got till 5.30 to get your picks in. Is that fair? Mr. Rick, are you there? Yeah, sorry. Is that fair? Um, if you're saying one hour after the final person steps off the scale. Should we do that, or is that too hard to, uh, to monitor? No. As okay. long you know. You're going to have to send in your picks, so there'll be a timestamp. So they send in their picks, and which line are they going by? 
Um, the one I've been using for my uh, picks, so that'll be the one we'll use, is Five Dimes. Five Dimes. So you We're can go on bestfightodds.com, and you can find the first column is Five Dimes uh, lines. So and as you can see, I switched to the thing, to the new earring. Oh, you did? Can I see it? I did. Oh, my gosh. Let's throw it up. What is that? Now, this one is she crocheted a little pouch here, right? Well, who made this? This was made by Lindsay Proctor wow. at Bandit Octopus it's all, it's on all, Twitter. It's all women. Got that kind of appeal, bro. <laughs> okay. Um, so inside, for the folks at home, uh, was a nickel. Oh, wow. Look at inside that. Inside the little pouch. It's better, by the way, it's better to go further back because the closer you yeah, go. You're it gets, right. Yeah, you're right. Uh, there you go. Nickel Rick. So I want to I want to thank oh both God. of the submissions. Wait, wait, that that one is actually very impressive. That one's better than the the first one in my opinion. There's I'm an actual, not playing favorites. There's They're an actual. Ba how heavy is that on your ear? This one's a little lighter because it's not metal. It's, right. it's uh, yarn or some kind of fabric. But wasn't wasn't the, the 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 stipulation that you had to wear it for the entire show? Yeah, but I didn't come on camera for the entire show. So how well, do you know I didn't? I didn't even know that you got these. This was a major That's, surprise. Yeah, I, uh, I changed it up a little bit. And how me. did they get it in time? They sent it last Monday. Oh, wow. Look at that. Very loyal fans. That, that one, you're keeping that one for the rest this of the show. This one's going for the rest of the show, Okay, yeah, yeah that one's incredible. Um, so it's best fight odds, right? Well, that's where you can view the lines from five dimes, because otherwise you probably have to have an account. So you just go to bestfightodds.com. Yeah. The first column will be uh, five dimes lines. Okay, and uh, they, the, where do they send the submissions? I'll go through this next week, too. but We'll, we'll make a catch-all email for it. Um, that way, they can send them all in. There'll yep. be timestamps on it, and then uh, everything will be organized. So you have to send it to this email. Yep. Um, by that amount of time that we said, hour after the wins, you go to bestfightodds.com. You make your picks. You got $100, and then we'll monitor it. And then on Monday, and you'll probably figure it out for yourself, you'll know... Um, who will be advancing, and you'll know who you'll be facing because next Monday we'll reveal the brackets. And I think that covers it, right? That's it for the Invitational. Yeah. That's I'm excited. That's great. Um, Kumate. Kumate. That's what it is. Kumate. Bloodsport. Did you see Bloodsport? I saw that like four years, 400 years ago. How do I, am I supposed to remember that? Is that something I'm supposed to know? Kumate? Do you know what that is? I've heard it, but I, I don't know. Don't uh, pretend like you knew. Did, I, just, did I say that? No, you said you heard it. I have heard it. I saw. First of all, I saw Bloodsport, mm -hmm. um, but I have heard it, but uh, I'm not sure exactly what that means. All right. Uh, well, there you have it. Akumate to all of you. Congratulations on making it into the uh, Rick's Picks Invitational. Uh, we will announce the brackets next week. I'm very excited about this. All right. Do we have some questions to answer? Yeah. All right. Here we go. Uh, these are the first ones up from the website. Uh, the first question about the Diaz brothers' style. Is it time for the Diaz brothers to change camps and try and relearn the game and add new skills to their arsenal? It's been made pretty clear with the recent losses of both the Diaz brothers that the blueprint to beat a Diaz brother is out there. Fighters, fighters will either wrestle them, neutralize their jujitsu, or attack and move so they don't end up brawling, playing into the Diaz brothers' game. Perhaps they can improve their wrestling and footwork to be a better fighter. Your thoughts? Well, here's the thing. First things first. Nick Diaz, as far as we're concerned right now, is retired. So wh why does he have to change his camp? Now, if we're assuming Nick Diaz is going to return at some point, which I think most of us are, yeah, it's possible. 
and we're starting to see some 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 slight changes right now to the to the camp. You know, uh, Nate Diaz has a new manager, Mike Kogan. That's a big change. Caesar Gracie no longer managing him, and I think over time it, it reminds me. Who does it remind me of? It reminds me of someone. Excuse me. The sport is evolving. They've been in the sport a long time. I still think that they could be major players. I certainly don't think Nate Diaz should go up to 170 pounds. I think he's better at 155. And again, it just could be matchups. You know, Benson Henderson is the champion for a reason. Um, and Josh Thompson, very underrated. And this was his big return to the UFC. Nick Diaz fought GSP. Very bad matchup for him. And Carlos, there are some who think he, you know, they think he won the fight. I don't think we should make too much of this. Have they evolved as much as others? Well, they are who they are, and they have a style that works, and sometimes they're on, sometimes they're, they're off. Do I think they need to drastically change their style? No. Do I think they will? No, they are who they are. So I think at this point, you're going to get what you're going to get with the Diaz brothers. Against those wrestler types, it's going to be a tough night. Against the Donald Cerrone types, it'll be a good night. I don't think you're going to change them at this point. Our next question, with all this talk of Pettis wanting simultaneous featherweight and lightweight belts and McGregor expressing a similar ambition, in your opinion, would the UFC ever allow one fighter to be the champion of multiple weight classes or would this mess with the progression of the respective weight classes too much? Um, I, I, you know what? I don't think they should, honestly. And, and, and this is another reason why I don't like the Pettis fight at 145. I mean, on paper, it's fun. It's a great matchup. It's two of the most exciting fighters in the UFC I just don't feel like it makes all that much sense for the growth of the divisions because Anthony Pettis is saying this is just a pit stop. After this fight, he's going up. And what, what I like about the UFC is that you have now, what, eight divisions, nine including the women's division, and you know who's the champion. It's very clean. It's very neat. You know who the contenders are. They're moving up the ranks. They're moving up the, the ladder, so to speak. It's just all very clean. It's, it, it's very different than boxing. It's very hard for someone to sit there and say all the champions in boxing, the weight classes, unless you're a very hardcore fan. And our sport is very clean. It's very neat. Now with up and down and all that stuff, I, I, I just don't like it. I think it's confusing. And I don't want to see someone holding up two divisions. That's why I didn't want to see GSP versus Penn too. I liked Penn at, at, uh, at 155, and I just didn't see the need for it. So I, I, I want to see you guys stick to their own division, and, and especially when you have a fight like Anthony Pettis versus Benson Henderson, how do you not do that rematch right away? Our next question, does it make sense for top fighters to take a fight on short notice after their opponent gets injured? Jacare is now fighting Kamozi, and Musasi had to fight Latifi. It seems like Jacare is in a lose-lose situation, and that doesn't get him closer to a title. Jacare had to take this fight. I mean, there, there weren't that many middleweight fights on the card. Kamozi's on a winning streak. What's he going to do? He's fighting in his home country. He wants to fight in the UFC. He's finally made it to the UFC. He has to take this fight. He's not in a position to turn down this fight. And if he's that much better than Chris Kamozi, he's going to win the fight. And if he's that much better than Chris Kamozi, according to the rankings, he just got an easier fight, right? Costa is ranked higher than Chris. I think Chris brings different things to the table, though. Point being, Jacare is not in the position to turn down an opportunity like that. Chris is obviously going to take it. UFC debut, you have a chance to make a splash, take the fight. 
and and I don't view this necessarily as a lose lose. Jacare, as as talented as he is, is not a household name just yet, so it's not really a lose lose in my opinion. There are more people in 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 the U.S. who know, in my opinion, Chris Camozzi than Jacare because of the Ultimate Fighter, because of his time in the UFC. Is that a crazy statement? Uh, that might not be a crazy statement, but I definitely think you're you're not analyzing it from a rankings point of view. I mean, the people who make the matches know that Jacare is where he stands in the division compared to Chris Camozzi. So a win over Cam- uh, a win over Camozzi, you know, on short notice, obviously is impressive. But I un- I definitely understand where the person who asked this question is coming oh, from. Oh, I, I understand where he's coming from, no doubt. I mean, you want to fight the biggest fights. You you don't want to be in a situation where it's a bigger win for your opponent than it is for you. But I just don't think Jacare in his UFC debut is in a position to really make it. It sucks, but them's the breaks, and it's better than not fighting. You've been out of the game. You've been out of the spotlight for a long time as far as not fighting you know, on the big stage that is the UFC. How are you going to turn this down? I, th- I think the thing here is you're right. You can't turn it down. And if he's so much better, he should be able to finish him relatively unharmed and mm-hmm. get a fight right away right after that, mm-hmm. uh, You know, one that makes more sense rankings-wise. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I don't, have, I don't have a problem with him taking it. I think it's fine. Um, but I definitely understand the, the implication. Yeah. Our next question. Do you think it would be dangerous for the UFC to promote mm. McGregor versus Park fight using the political angle? As someone who grew up with conflict, I think it has no place inside the Oxygen. You know what? You know what? I'm, I'm happy you picked this question because yesterday we posted the Norman Park interview in a, in a separate article on MMAfighting.com. And I got some people who were saying, shame on you, Ariel. For, first of all, I had no idea that there was any kind of issue, if you want to even call it that, between Connor and Norman Park. If you recall, Connor was the one on my show who brought this up. So, of course, this, this, this again goes back to the whole instigating thing. So, so Connor McGregor is on my show. He talks about Norman Park, uh, brings him up, alludes to him in our first interview. We talk about him in the second interview. Norman Park's on my show. You don't think I'm going to ask him about Connor McGregor? And Norman Park, if you look at the tweets, asked me to be on the show. I'm very happy that he was on the show. It was a great interview. He gave us a great interview. You don't think I'm going to ask him about this? And I think he gave us a great answer. And when Connor was was on the show talking about him, it wasn't too political. It wasn't too you know uh, aggressive as far as that is concerned. But Norman brought up some things about the past and all that. And people were, shame on you. Shame on you for being d- 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 disgusting. Oh, this stuff. I said he's not interested in it. That, that's what the headline was, was. I asked him about it. He took the high road, and that's it. You don't think I'm going to ask him about it? You're crazy. You People have to understand what our job is. Our job is to get answers. When someone says something about someone, your job is to go ask that person about what he said. That's not being an instigator. That's being a good journalist. That's actually doing your job. And, and then I get the history lessons about uh, the conflict in that part of the world. And and guess what, guys? Sometimes you know what's going on, but you need your guests to explain it. Would you do you want me to sit here while someone's on the show and start waxing poetic and telling you what I know? Why don't you hear it from the horse's mouth? Why don't you hear how he feels about the situation? He's living it. Go educate yourself. Ah, oh, da, 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 da. People are crazy. Anyways, to answer the question, if they did that fight, of course they wouldn't go that route. The UFC never goes that route. Now, there, it could come up in interviews. It's like Rockhold and, and, and Belfort. 
UFC is not promoting it as Mr. Clean versus the guy on TRT. But it comes up in interviews. So it adds another layer. This would probably add another layer. Connor was saying, you know, he, he, he is a guy, you know, flying the wrong flag, all this stuff. That would come up in interviews. But the way it's promoted will be very different if they actually fight. And by the way, they're in two different weight classes. Probably not happening anytime soon. That was it for our website questions. Okay. Uh, we're moving along to the Twitter questions. Our first one comes from Michael Beaumont. Where would a decisive win over Luke Rockhold at UFC on FX8 leave Vitor Belfort in the middleweight title picture? That's a very good question, and that's what I was wondering when I, when I spoke to him. Um, it seems like Bisping was going to get a title shot if he beat him. Didn't happen. Rockhold could very well get a title shot if he wins impressively. I think if Vitor Belfort wins, he's got to be right there. He's got to be pretty close, right? Um, when, when you look at the division... I would still love to see Chael Sonnen versus Vitor. I mean, you, you saw it right there. He didn't want to talk about Chael. And yes, that, that would almost be a fight where I think it would mean more for Vitor than Chael as far as rankings are concerned. Because if Anderson's still the champ, I think Vitor has a better ch- shot at getting a second shot against Anderson as opposed to Chael getting a third shot against Anderson. But that being said, I still think there are interesting fights for Vitor Belfort at 185. There's Okami out there. There's Jacare if he wins. I think that's very interesting. Philippou, maybe. And Chael, of course. So I think if he wins impressively, he's probably one or two fights away from really banging the drum. He could be next. I don't, I don't see that happening. I don't think the UFC would give it to him, a win over Rockhold, especially if Anderson wins, because I, I think they may want to try to do something very big with Anderson after that but certainly one or two away. Our next question from Anthony Marchetto. Do you see Conor McGregor becoming one of the faces of the UFC if he wins the title? I mean, that's that, that, that's very much in the future. He's only had one fight in the UFC. He looked fantastic. He's very charismatic. He's very marketable. He's smart. Um, I mean, he, he really does have it all. Let's see how far he goes. And now you're starting to see people call him out. Akira Karasani called him out. Uh, just just last night, and and he actually said on Twitter he has his fight already for the UFC on Fox Sports One show. Just the the contracts aren't signed, so it's going to be interesting to see how far he can go and and how he does when he climbs the ranks. If he does win that title, if he does beat the person holding the featherweight title whenever he gets there, yeah, I think he could be a, a pretty big star, particularly in Europe. First European to hold the UFC belt to be a UFC champion that'd be huge. So, yeah, he has that potential. It's all about realizing it at this point. He's doing great so far. Speaking of Khorasani, our next question from Asian Sensation 81 Do you think Akira's challenge to McGregor is the best way to get a fight, or should they go for the sun and route? Well, I feel like that is the sun and route. Does he mean that because he was respectful? That's what I think. That's what I took from the question. Yeah. You know. Nah, I'm, I, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this. And if you follow Kira on Twitter, you would know this. When I was walking around Williamsburg la- late last week. I, I bumped into Kira Korsani. And uh, he was coming out of uh, Roger Mamadov's Williamsburg MMA school, which is very close to where I live. I saw Kira, we were talking, and I asked him, what's next? And he said he's looking to fight maybe in August or something like that, maybe Fox Sports 1. 
And then we got to talking about Conor McGregor. The rise of Conor McGregor, he was on the same card as Conor's UFC debut back in Sweden last month. And about that could be an interesting fight and all that stuff. And he was very respectful and had a lot of respect. And he'd say, you know, I'm not the kind of guy who wants to call people out. I'm not the kind of guy who goes that route. And I said, that's fine. I totally respect that. It wasn't trying to convince him to do anything, but we were just sort of talking, shooting the breeze, you know, personal conversation. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, Sunday night, he puts out this video. Weird. Are you saying that you pretty much created this matchup if it comes no. to fruition no 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 i'm not saying anything but i think maybe discussing him talking to someone on the other side of the fence got him thinking look we're talking about akira korasani right now we would not be talking about akira korasani had he not put out that video right true in this day and age in 2013 you have to take the bull by the horns you have to call your shots the ufc says they like it they respond to it why wouldn't you do it? And he did it in a respectful way. He didn't insult him. He didn't talk trash about him. He didn't disparage him. Connor responded in, in, a, in a way saying, I have a fight. If that falls through, we'd love to fight. Game on. So, But what do you think about doing it that way rather than... Um... I, don't, I don't care the way you do it. Just call your shot. Okay. I don't care. I don't care the way you do it. Just call your shot. Stop saying it's up to the UFC. Call your shot. It's better for everyone involved. <clears throat> Our next question... Uh, from Sean Brady. How is Husamar Palhara's drop to 170 going to benefit him? Will his skill set or size translate into more wins at that weight? Now, is this 110%? I'm not sure. It sounds like he's leaning in that direction, but the question is, let's just say he goes down to 170. I think it will benefit him much like it would benefit a Hector Lombard. They're big guys. They're top-heavy, um, although... They both have fairly big legs, but I mean, Toquinho has a massive upper body, and he's small for 185. He he needs to shed some of that weight, that that muscle mass. I think it will benefit him, and now he could if he could cut the weight properly, and and still be effective come fight night. He's going to be bigger than some 170s, so now he has that advantage. So I think this is a good move. What are you going to say? I was just going to say I agree with that. I think this is a good move, and it's it's kind and of long overdue. Well, as you always said, also it's just a you know new coat of paint, new coat of paint, one hundred percent. Changing weight classes, it's a new day, and uh, he's kind of stagnant right now, one eighty five, and he's just big. It's, it's 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 he's like lumbering with that body of his, especially that upper body. I think he could be one of the bigger guys at one seventy as opposed to a big small guy at one eighty five. I think it's smart. Our next question comes from Stephen Firo. Can you think of any reason why Koscheck versus Maya huh. makes sense? This fight is all risk, no reward. Well, it's funny because Koscheck is still considered to be a top tenner, but he's coming off a loss, a pretty brutal loss to uh, and a one-sided loss to Robbie Lawler. I was surprised when this fight was announced. I would have been way more surprised if it was announced before the Tarek Safadin, Robbie Lawler, Jake Ellenberger, uh, Roy McDonald fights were announced for a UFC on Fox 8. I think Maya deserves to be in one of those fights. I think Maya versus Safadine, Maya versus Lawler, Maya versus Roy, Maya versus Jake. Maya versus someone coming off a win makes a whole lot more sense than Maya coming off uh, fighting someone who's lost his last two. I agree. But then you look at the top 10, who should he fight? Carlos Condit also lost his last two. Who should he fight? Martin Kamen lost his last fight to Johnny Hendricks. You know, in the top 10, that's it. 
Hendricks fighting GSP. I think Condit is a bigger fight, though, and that, to me, makes more sense than the Kostyuk fight. But there was no one there. There's no better answer. You agree? I do agree. But I, 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 I do think that... I, I definitely think that it's it's a bit of a weird one. He goes out and wins. It's it's a nice you know, notch on your belt. Harkening back to what I said about, you know, the people who do the rankings know where these people are. They, Koscheck is still, you know, a He's very... highly regarded. Highly regarded fighter, exactly. So even though, you know, it might not make sense numbers or whatever, people know where relatively where he stands. It's just very rare in the UFC that someone who's on a multiple fight winning streak would fight someone Absolutely. who's on a multiple fight losing streak. Our next question comes from Margarito Roman Jr. Whose resurgence is more impressive, Mark Hunt or Matt Brown? This is a very good question. This is a very good question. Um, I'm going to go with Mark Hunt because it seemed like his career was really going nowhere. It was stagnant. It was it was pretty much non-existent at one point. And because of the story of him getting into the UFC because he had some fights left on his pride contract, UFC just wants to kind of buy him out. He says, hey, just give me a shot. Let me go in there. Loses to McCorkle the way he does, and we know how embarrassing that is. And then he goes on this amazing winning streak, and now he's fighting JDS and potentially one win away from fighting for the belt. Matt Brown turned his 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 career around he's coming off a big win over jordan Meehan, but you could say he hasn't beaten a top 10 guy it's very impressive they're both very impressive but if you're asking me to 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 weigh them i think i think mark hunt because of that backstory because what he's done as of late and because he's the kfc king gets the nod do you agree it's that's a this is one's really tough for me to decide just because also Matt Brown's in the toughest division in the UFC, in my opinion. 170 is just a buzzsaw of, of top-level guys. Um, not that, you know, he's been taking all these guys out or anything, um, but just st- hanging around in that division and then going on a run is just really impressive to me. That said, Mark Hunt is doing it in quite impressive fashion, the way he's just demolishing guys right now. And as you said, he's one away from a title shot. Gun to my head, I guess I'm going with Hunt, but I think I'm highly impressed by both um, can't say that enough. You know, Mark Hunt's last four wins, his winning streak, Chris Tuscher, Ben Rothwell, Congo, Stefan Struve. The last three, impressive. Yep. Although the Rothwell fight wasn't his best, but you got to win. For Matt Brown, it's five in a row. Chris Cope, Stephen Thompson, Luis Ramos, Mike Swick, Jordan Meehan. You know, it, 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 one's longer, five versus four. But I think Hunt, considering the backstory, gets the nod. I wouldn't argue with that. Good. <laughs> Our next question from Gilbert Martinez. Do we have the best champions in the UFC at this, I guess, at today, rather than any other point in UFC history? Now, by the way, I really like today's questions. I feel like people brought it. Um, it's very interesting that you mentioned that, Gilbert, because if you look right over here, what's fun about this new set is that we, we have all these different little wrinkles. Like You really need to analyze what's going on. Here we have the championship corner of the set courtesy of our friends at round five we've got dominic cruz benson henderson gsp anderson silva john jones kane velasquez all wearing belts we're missing jose aldo i'm told we're getting that soon so in his place we put bruce lee championship so we look at this we look at this lineup right here cruz slash Barrow, aldo benson gsp anderson john jones kane velasquez i say without a doubt without a shadow of a doubt it is the most dominant and impressive uh, group of champions throwing Ronda Rousey in there as well. 
is very impressive, without a doubt. Jose Aldo coming in the next series from round five, so that will be filled in. Are they going to do a Ronda Rousey one? Or is that off the record? Can we not? Do you not know? We'll it? see. Okay. Um, all right. Our next question comes from Gerard Pfaff. Okay. With all the success we've seen in the 135 women's division, how long do you think it will be until more women's divisions are added to the UFC? Another good question. You know, I don't think anytime soon, honestly. I think that they're really going to devote their time, their their effort in the bantamweights. I really think that they, they want to, you know, really expand that, and they're doing a great job. Credit to Sean Shelby, who's the current matchmaker for that division in the UFC. With the, with the eight women that are going to come out of tough, I think that's brilliant. With the women that they have now, the fights have been great. The matchups have been great. I think they really want to focus on 135. As the UFC continues to grow, expand, wouldn't be surprised if... I don't see 145, but maybe like a 115 or something like that. Maybe. Right now, I don't see it coming anytime soon. I love that division. It's so much fun. I think it's, it's brought such, such a breath of fresh air to the UFC. It's great. And it would only... And if and if it wasn't for Ronda Rousey, we would not be talking about it, one thousand percent. Our next question comes from Matt Dumke or Dumke. Do you think that when Floyd Mayweather, excuse me, yes. do you think that when Floyd Mayweather retires, MMA will officially overtake boxing as the world's most popular combat? Another sport? great question because you know what? I'm so tired, and and people may expect this from me, but I'm so tired of the boxing is dead uh, argument. I, I think it's so off base. I think it's so wrong. Floyd Mayweather, he, draw, he draws a lot. He, he's a big deal. No one draws more media attention, more interest. No one makes more in combat sports, heck, maybe in sports in general, than Floyd Mayweather. But there are other guys out there. There are other names out there, and boxing is doing a good job, if not a great job these days, of building some new talent. You got the Adrian Broners of the world, uh, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. when he comes back. Um, you know, Abner Maras, you know, the, 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 the undercard on Saturday night for the Mayweather fight, that was, a, that was, that was good. They're finally getting their act together. They're finally putting on relevant fights. Uh, Leo Santa Cruz, uh, Klitschko's, yeah, you know, you, you know the same deal, but the, the, there are some young guns out there, guys coming up, Canel Alvarez. I mean, the, there are names, there are names out there. And I think when Floyd Mayweather, Mayweather retires, he still has five fights left on his contract with Showtime. He signed a six-fight deal, won his fight against Roberto um, Robert Guerrero on, on Saturday, the Ghost, and defeated him. It was not the, the most exciting decision win, but Floyd is who he is. You kind of know what you're going to get with him now. Still, he's a huge draw, and I think others are, are, are coming along. And I think the key now for Floyd is make new stars – Put them on your card. Build them up. People are tuning in to see you. But hey, you got to see this co-main event. You got to see this guy fighting in the third fight of the night. And they're starting to figure that out. I think the Showtime Showtime has been great. I, I think what they've done, they're, they're not in the MMA business this year, uh, at least for now. But their broadcasts, I think, are a breath of fresh air. I think Morrow does a great job on the call. Al Bernstein does a great job. Uh, Polly Malinaji does a great job. I love having Brian Kenny up there on the set. It's just different than HBO. It's not as hoity-toity. It's not as um, uh, country club, if you know what I'm saying. And, and, and HBO is, is fine, but I like, I like what Showtime's doing. And Golden Boy is putting on some great fights. 
boxing is in a great place. Mayweather goes, I think it will still be in a great place. And I think we have to stop trying to compare the two. It's natural. I get it. But n- I saw Jose Canseco saying, boxing's dead. Boxing's done after tonight. It's not done. It's not going anywhere. And we shouldn't root for that, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Our next question from Gaz Quilliam. Did Ariel Helwani's son get any MMA presents for his birthday? It was my son's uh, birthday last week on Tuesday. Turned one year old. Uh, I can't believe it. And yesterday was his birthday party, and it was a lot of fun. And if you saw on my Twitter or Instagram, it was a Nick's cake. Uh, and it was it was done by the amazing B Cake NY. Check them out on Twitter or Instagram. I have to give them a shout out. B Cake NY. It was the most amazing. I didn't want to touch it. I didn't want to cut it. I'm dreaming about it right now. We still have some left over. It was it was out of this world. B Cake NY, and uh, it was a Knicks jersey with Hawani one, a basketball. It was just great. The, the, it would have been one of the more epic days of my life had the Knicks beat the Pacers later on that day, but unfortunately they didn't. Did he get any MMA presents for his birthday? He did not. You know, he's only one year old, so there's not much I can give him at this point. Um, you know, he likes to play with balls, Elmo, trucks, that kind of thing. Even that's a little advanced, the trucks. He doesn't quite get that. Uh, but don't worry. Soon he will be getting a lot. I can't wait for my son to be older. I could tell him about the, the great sport that I cover, maybe introduce him to some of the great people that I cover. I, I, I always was, as a child, impressed and looked up to you know, athletes and people in the sports world and, and, and wonder what it's like behind the scenes. And now I'm involved in the sports world, and I, and I can't wait, if he's interested in it, to show him what it's like and to, uh, you know, that he can tell his friends, my daddy is working in sports. That's pretty cool. Not to say that, you know, my dad worked very hard and he had a great job, and if it wasn't for the work ethic that he taught me, I would never be here. But not a lot of people get to work in, this, in what is their hobby, what people watch on the weekend. And I hope he will take interest in that. So right now, no MMA presence, but maybe one day soon, he'll be sitting right next to me. And he can take all these toys, do whatever he wants. I went very overboard, by the way, with the, with the party. It was kind of like Billy Madison when he passed the third grade. You remember that? Yeah, that's a great movie. Yeah, Billy passed the third grade. Oh, what a glorious day. Remember that? All passed the third grade. The Billy Madison way. <laughs> anyway, we 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 had uh we had something like that. We had the clowns, m- the magician, the bunny rabbit was there. It was wild. It was great. It was a great day. Thank happy you for birthday asking. to Oliver. Thank you. Thank you very much. And thanks to everyone who tweeted. Happy birthday. It was very kind. Uh, it, it it touched my heart. This is our last one. All right. Oh yeah. What was New York Rick's Rick's Picks theme song supposed to be? What was it supposed to be? It was supposed to be local New York uh, native, Mano. That's the artist. It was supposed to be High Hater by Mano. Um, but unfortunately, we couldn't get that together. We couldn't work it out. Yeah, what happened? Um, but that was supposed to be it. What happened? Just legal stuff, behind the scenes stuff. Couldn't get it done. Is unfortunately. There good, is there a chance that we can, we can get it done for the tournament? There's a chance that we can get a different song done. Wouldn't it be cool if every time you made your pick, like you came out to your theme song? Yeah, we, that is a possibility. Or like if I was announcing what happened with someone else or, or a bracket, then your theme song hits. Yeah. And it's like, oh, no, here he's coming. Ah. We may or may not be working on something like that. Oh, wow. Well, we know you'll, you'll be taking on Mike Tyson. And the rest of the, uh, the, the, the pairings, the matchups will be announced 
uh, on Monday. Now, we didn't announce what the... Here's the thing. We didn't announce what the prize was because the good people at Metamorris have given us two tickets to their upcoming show June 9th in Los Angeles, right? Correct. But I think we need to make it more clear about where they live. I think that could be an issue. So we were also given a prize from our good friends at Roots of Fight, right? Yes, we were. In honor of Halleck Gracie being on the show, what is the prize? Well, we've got some Gracie-themed shirts from Roots of Fight. Yeah. Um, the one I'm wearing right now is uh, Grandmaster Helio Gracie on my shirt. Um, and we also have another one. Let me grab it. Bottom line is you're going to get the T-shirt, not the tickets, because I feel like we need to save the tickets and make it more clear that you have to live in the area. Plus, we have some time before June 9th, so I, I think that makes more sense. So they can win one of those shirts. So there are um, two shirts at stake? There's one shirt at stake. It's okay. just going to be one of those shirts. Gosh, great questions. Can we run them down? Yeah, let me, uh, let me run back through them. I really like these, uh, Obvi these obviously questions. Obviously not the one asking about my, uh, my song. Yeah. I'm not going to go crazy. Okay, okay, okay. Nice. Nicely right. done. Yes. I admire your restraint. <laughs> um, this oh. one about Mayweather. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that one a lot. Okay. This one about adding oh, more women's divisions. I love divisions. this one. Okay. This one about the best oh, champions in UFC. this was a great one. <laughs> this one this about This was a great Earth. I actually thought this was going to win, but I don't know now. Koscheck and Maya. Yeah, yeah. 170 for yeah. uh, Husamar. Akira McGregor. Oh, that was a great one, too. McGregor uh, becoming yeah. a superstar. Yeah, Rockhold Belfort. I feel like I was most passionate about the Floyd one. Okay. Well, go back to Floyd for a second. What was before it? What was yeah? What was before it? Let's see. This one's Floyd. Floyd. Yeah, and then before it. Before it was more oh, women's yeah. divisions. And then what was before that? Best champions. Best champ. Okay. Well, Floyd. Who 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 asked us? Oh, this was a good one too. Who asked us about Floyd? Matt Dumke or Dumke. Well, you win. Congratulations, my friend. You get the roots of fight, and it's fitting that it's not a MMA question per se, but, uh, you know, with the roots of fight and their whole connection about the roots of fight and all that, you get my point, right? Yep. So we will, uh, how will we reach Matt? We'll DM him and all that yeah, stuff? Yeah, we'll find a way to reach out to you. And by the way, if you're waiting uh, on a uh, prize, we're a little backed up. You know, there's a lot going on here, but we'll get you, right? Absolutely. Just, just hang tight but it will happen for you. All right. There uh, you have it. Can yes. I just say one more time, I want to thank the two people who submitted earrings. Again with this. I'm just thanking them at the Jeez. end of the show. All right, all right. I want to thank Bandit Octopus. That is a weird name. Lindsay Proctor. No, that's okay. not a real name for this that one. It's a weird name. Okay, yeah. And I want to thank uh, at a girly MMA, Ash, for my other earring. Always good to have the women involved. Yeah, we have a female in the Rick's Picks invitation. We do. We do. There was one person who I believe was a female as well. Her response was just, Rick who? And it was so great. Um, but I had so many good ones that I had to whittle down. She could even be a, a, a late replacement if someone bows out. But there you have it. The 16 are in. And we'll let you know next week um, who you'll be facing in the first round. I believe that's it. We're good. Mike, you can hit my music. What a great day this has been christening the new studio the new set we finally made it i know a lot of you have made fun of me that we've been moving around too much and yes i don't like that as well but it feels like we have we have come home 
until of course we move in a couple of months. No, but it's, honestly, there are no plans to move, at least in the near future. Look at this thing. Thank you to everyone who worked so hard to, to give this to us. I hope you like it. I, I've seen your jokes about the sauna and about the Canadian lumberjack and the, 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 the cottage on the prairie and all that stuff. I've seen them and I actually like them. So you may be thinking that you're criticizing or you're insulting, but guess what? You're not. You're actually just confirming my initial thoughts about this amazing set. Great show in our first set. In our, great show on our set for the first time. I want to thank Halleck Gracie for stopping by. Good luck to him with Metamorphosis Pro 2, June 8, June 9, I should say, in Los Angeles. Julie Kedzie, always great to talk to her. She's doing great work in and out of the cage. Good luck to her in her UFC debut July 27th against Jermaine Derondami in Seattle. Brian Bull is so great to hear from him. He returns to action UFC 160 May 25th against George Roop. Looking forward to that. Eddie Alvarez, what a tough spot he's in. We appreciate him stopping by and clearing a little bit of the situation up for us. Vitor Belfort, always great to talk to the old lion, the young dinosaur, the legend, the phenom, faces Luke Rockhold next week. And then Chris Camozzi, good luck to him as well next week in Brazil. Thank you to everyone who uh, submitted their, their entries to be in the tournament. Thank you to everyone who submitted questions, comments, all that good stuff. We love you so much. We'll be back same time, play same set next week. Peace. Somebody out.